The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. Wow, extra long. I don't know how I feel special. Uh, I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. with Columbia down the way. And the sound effects you have heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70. What's up, everybody? <laughs> I was going to reserve that for like some kind of sign off. But since we're since we kind of uh, do uh, at least for 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 the time being uh, Wakanda forever, I figured uh, I'd, I'd sneak it in now. Good, pretty good. And we'll be talking about some uh, Wakanda a little, but for right now, uh, you can find this here on the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's cn.us. Do it today. You can also find this at your podcast for the place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple, uh, excuse me, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither, <laughs> the Cold Slither Podcast Network, SoundCloud. Sometimes you trip on stone. Uh, but yeah, you can also find us recording here on the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel or like uh, twitch.tv slash comic book chronicle. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and give us all the five-star reviews. All that. All that. But uh, tonight on this show, we're going to start off like we do with the comic books. And we're going to start off with um, an actually fun one uh, in Avengers Mech Strike number one. Right. Avengers Mech Strike number one is written by Jed McKay, a favorite around these parts, with art by Carlos Magno, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. And believe it or not, this is actually a potential click of the week on my part. No doubt. I can see that. So, so this whole, I don't know about you, because I don't know how much, uh, I, I, I feel like you've watched um, Avengers Earth Mighty Heroes, correct? I have, I have. Um, and probably also Avengers Assemble. I don't know if you watched that one. Yeah, the uh, when, when when they, uh, oh, I can't remember what the, what the, I mean, I know that they changed the, the, the intro and I forget what else I I, I remember them changing mm-hmm. that uh, I kind of missed going forward. Right. There was something up there. Were, there was definitely something about the show that changed. Yeah. It was, that uh, it, missed. I'm sorry. Um, no, I can say that I missed from from the earlier the earlier versions to the second iteration. Yeah, it was a slightly different team because uh, they had like 
Falcon or whatever, and definitely the Outstyle. And I think a couple of voices may have changed on that one. But I ask, I say all that to say that this issue of Avengers Mech Strike kind of felt like uh, an episode of uh, Avengers uh, Avengers Assemble. In okay. Um, because of the kind of the way it played out, like to at least to me, and I don't know why it came to that because I haven't seen Avengers Assemble in a good minute, and I don't, as far as I know. You know what? That sounds like something that probably would have actually happened on the show. And this is the other reason why I'm saying that, whether it did or not. Gotcha. Because so, basically, you know, you, the, the short strokes is not to give it too far away. It's like the name suggests what ends up happening to it. So it's not like that's big of a, it's a big spoiler secret. They end up getting mechs. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it's in the name. It's on the cover. So the spoilers are, are are few and far in between here, at least in, in, in at this point, because you know, for any seasoned comic book reader, this seems like a ploy to sell action figures and toys. Or um uh or be the lead into a video game. That as well. I was about to say that's that uh that's more of a, a, a newer uh, uh, you know, th- th- that's more of a newer version of the same idea of merchandising, you know, launching a comic to help with uh, promoting merchandise. Uh, the reason why um, this felt, I mean, well, well, I guess one thing that this harkened back to me to, uh, I was asking Roddy Cat just before the show started whether or not he had watched any of the Marvel 616 documentary shows on Disney Plus. And he had said no. Mm-hmm. And without spoiling what happens in one of them, there's a. Uh, I just pulled it up on Disney Plus. It's episode four. It's t- it's uh, the title is Lost and Found. And the host is comedian Paul Shear. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 the idea behind this mini documentary is uh, Paul Shear is on the hunt to learn about the forgotten characters of Marvel Comics, right? And uh, you know, one of the, the the one of the 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 driving ideas behind, or at least uh, 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 behind the um, the but behind at least part of the documentary is that Marvel Comics has a history of uh, putting out some actually surprisingly good comics based on licensing uh, ideas because they are trying to license out, you know, uh, toys and, 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 uh, and, and uh, uh, action figures. And now Roddy Cat has thrown in the, the acknowledged uh, next step of that, which is video games. And, uh, you know, obviously they talk in the documentary about Secret Wars, you know, being a, 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 a being created as um, a comic to uh, promote the Kenner action figures or Mattel. Actually, I know I think they were Kenner. I think they were the Kenner Kenner action yeah. figures, right? The Kenner uh, Secret Wars line mm-hmm. and, and and whatnot, and you know, and 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 just going for you know, obviously GI Joe and Transformers, the the, the various licensed. Um, properties that led to pretty successful comic book runs uh uh in the 80s uh that you know that that's definitely uh, a big part of this uh documentary episode and that's what this comic book made me think of 
you know, I thought, wow, are they really going in that direction? Are they trying to sell us action figures and toys? But what was great about this book is that it's undeniably fun. And believe it or not, there's even a semi-plausible reason for the team to actually put on the specialized mech suits. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm glad you did say, yeah, you did say semi-plausible. So, yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely go with that. Because <laughs> my whole thing reading this, it was like, yeah, all right. They, I know they needed to get from A to, to, to A to Z real quick to, 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 to establish why they needed them. And, yeah, they kind of got there, but it was like, that seems like even in that it kind of seemed with the exception of one part of what the, what the mechs were made out of, um, you know, it just still seemed a little bit like, no, it seemed like this wasn't, it's not going to help the situation except for what we've come to find out in the middle of, uh, them battling the thing that, uh, has them going up against this. Right. I mean, we've made jokes. I know I specifically made jokes about this book. Uh, I don't know if it was on, the air or it might have been off the air in the lead up to the you know the the publication of this book we definitely talked about it maybe in solicits or during the news and we couldn't figure out why the thor and or hulk and or captain marvel specifically you know uh you know three of the 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 acknowledged heaviest hitters on the avengers roster and you know, and three of the heaviest hitters amongst the entire Marvel, you know, Marvel Comics uh, roster of heroes and villains. What what on earth they would need mech suits for? Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to uh, when when it comes to combating any sort of menace, and of course they create some sort of semi plausible reason to put it on. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to require them to have them on. Yeah, which goes back to why why I'm thinking I'm like yeah, this is totally the plot of a video game. Like we know, um, um, Marvel Strike Force is out there, and obviously it doesn't with the multiverse and whatever needing being what it is, and you know they don't need that big of a reason reason outside of comics to do anything. But like this just seemed like a ginned up reason, you know, for a a video game. Which you know what I'd be here for it if they did do it, but we don't. As far as we know, there isn't. Um, there isn't anything like that at this moment or any uh, figures as uh, agent 70 was saying either. Right. And, 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 and hearkening back to what Roddy Cat mentioned as he was introducing the book, the story actually has the same, has the, the team dynamic that I think most younger readers want to read about, which has some drama, mm-hmm. but not so much drama that actually it would lessen the fun that you would have in reading the book. There's definitely, you can definitely tell that there's some tension between uh, the characters. There's there's a hint of, you know, possible infighting or at least tension between some characters. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, you know, it, you know they, they kind of put things aside for the greater good and they, 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 they pull together. And there's obviously... Um, hints of the movie, but there's also hint, hints of the movies, but also hints of uh, the current continuity as well. Right. I mean, the obvious, the obvious uh, addition and exception, that being that Spider-Man is on the team, who has been an Avenger, so that's not saying that, but is not currently and doesn't tend to stay on a team that very long either. 
But, right. you know, some of that was what Agent 70 was talking about kind of comes out of in that. But also, you know, anytime Spidey's actually been on a team with anybody, he just kind of gets, gets on people's nerves. So, And that's not the only thing I, I'm assuming he's, you know, that uh, Agent 70 is talking about, but that is just one of the examples of uh that but yeah that's and that was the whole dynamic between them was kind of why i went with the whole uh avengers assemble uh thing because it kind of plays out like how they would interact in one of those episodes or any of those episodes at that you know right so but yeah it it was definitely um a, a fun read like i said i wouldn't really take it too seriously and you know for what it was but it ended up being uh, as Agent 70 said, a, a surprisingly fun enough read to kind of be like, yeah, this is actually probably one of the better reads from this week. Uh, and there's a couple of them for me, but this, this is kind of in there. Right. Just no Hawkeye, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a, an interesting o- omission there. Well, because Spidey kind of steps into that slot. True. Right. So, Right, because wherein Avengers Assemble and Earth Mightiest Heroes would have had um, Hawkeye for, you know, uh, and, and obviously, uh, Captain Marvel plays a bigger role here, uh, whereas in you know the Avengers cartoon, she doesn't play nearly that big a role. And obviously, in the movie, she doesn't come until Endgame, basically. Correct, right? So yeah, yeah, you got to you got to throw your your bigger names in there. It, it, it's a thing that was going to happen, you know. And luckily, that these two were actually already associated with the team anyway, for for whatever reasons. But, um, but yeah, there you go. Check it out. It's, it's not bad. If there's anything that ends up coming up out of this, like a, a toy line or or um, or a, an obvious toy line or a video game or something like that, I'm sure we'll we'll definitely let you know. Right. And shout out to the art by Carlos Magno on this because it is sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the faces at least at least uh, the, the the faces for Cap. I got I had a little bit of a problem with, but other than that. You know the the art was super clean and detailed and modern. You know we're we're not uh, you know we're not uh, taking a uh, we're not jumping jumping in a time vortex back to the '90s or anything like that. It definitely does have a modern feel to it, but it's still super sharp. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Well, what... and actually, well, and I was going to say before we move on, actually follows a little uh, a little continuity. Uh, you know, I appreciated the fact that uh, the Avengers actually didn't make it out of that first skirmish with the creature that they, that first battle with the creature that they run into, um, unscathed. Mm. Oh, yeah, you know, they actually right. come out with one character in a sling at least for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a yeah, 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 it, yeah. I'm sure uh, that is which. Well, I was about to say, given the character, I was about to say, how is that person going to function in a, in a mech? But then again, this person was one of the ones who made him in the first place, so pretty sure they figured it out, <laughs> or had a had a hand in the design, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is cool stuff. You check it out if you are so inclined. But I guess from that, the logical step would go into uh, the other Avengers book of the week. Um, That's Avengers 42. That is correct. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by possible newcomer newcomer, uh, Luca Maresca. 
colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So, in my notes, I pretty much have it like this, and this is pretty much how the last few issues have um, kind of gone, but lots of monologues and lots of planning and fighting uh, in, in this issue, uh, which is pretty much makes of it. Obviously, they're still doing the kind of contest of champions thing, sort of thing, uh, vying for, well, not even vying for, but both fighting for, uh, you know, the Phoenix, but also trying to figure out how to get out of the situation they're in. Right. So, and, um, you know, I, I pretty much said, I said the same thing I said in our back channel, um, uh, uh about a certain character, uh, about why they're trying to make black Knight a thing, which we know he's going to be an eternal. So I know I get that part, but it was like, you know, every now and then Marvel has a tendency. It was like, Hey, here's black Knight. We're just going to put him in things for like, does it feel like it happens every decade? Like at least this decade, at least this, this time they have a reasoning for it, but it's still kind of weird. Cause back and granted black Knight this is kind of one of those characters like, yeah, all right. He was all right on a team. He's not, he was not one of my favorites to be on a team. <laughs> you know right i mean we'll get into that when uh when i talk about the book i actually did read it and it's actually a surprising potential click of the week for me probably for the same reasons that that pc and underscore dirt wasn't really a fan but uh but with regards to this book uh you know as Roddy cat said it, it is still kind of following the same formula of the last couple of issues but there is a head scratching cliffhanger page reveal that appears to, at least for now, obviously it's a cliffhanger, you know, page reveal at the end of the book. But at least for now, it seems to retcon part of Thor's past that is actually adapted from Norse mythology. Mm. So we'll see if, in fact, this sticks. But uh, you can tell that in this issue, they are, the the, the characters within the tournament are, are looking to figure out a way to get out of the situation that they're in. I, I, I called it they're trying to game the tournament, but it's not working. So... Uh, at least, uh, at least according to the uh, according to the uh, prescribed uh, rules of engagement that they have right now, they really can't get around them. So, right, but of course, it's pretty much in service to you know uh, getting to where they need to be, which we know there's an, an event coming up that's uh, <laughs> going to run into a whole different thing. Um, but not to get ahead of, of, uh, oneself on that part, you know, we're still, we're still here and I am actually going to curious, I am slightly curious as to how they're going to get to that point or what they're going to do to get to that point, um, to, to that new event that we know coming, that is coming up. Seems kind of obvious to me, but, uh, you know. Because because we we kind of know, unfortunately, based on the tagline for the event, the Heroes Reborn event, that the Reborn event that that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and that's been being pushed in um, uh, announcements by by Marvel. Uh, we kind of have a we we kind of have an idea of what is going to be the result of this particular tournament. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but at the point where that's going to come into play, you know, before it actually. Does. Yeah. How we get to there, how we get there is another story. 
Yeah. So, but we're still on that, and I don't think that's actually too much longer now that I think about it. But I'm not sure when that's going to come to a head. But you know, like that, I, I am the one who say enjoyed the one of the ones who's like you know enjoy the journey and not where we're going to get to. Um, but like I said, the curiosity is still there nonetheless. Especially sometimes when there are certain stories like what's going on in, in Amazing Spider-Man that seem to be kind of dragging. Mm. But, you know, hopefully Avengers is not going to do that, go down that line. But, um, unless we got something else to say about Avengers 42... Nope. Much next. We can push on to... Um, I guess we can talk about the other talked about book um, in one way, shape, or form from this week. Uh, being Avengers, I mean, not Avengers, uh, Immortal Hulk number 43. Sure. Immortal uh, Hulk number 43, as always, is written by Al Ewing with pencils by Joe Bennett, inks by Rui Jose and Bellardino Bravo, and colors by Paul Mounts, and as, uh, as usual, letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Uh, yeah, this is being talked about for all the wrong reasons. Um, this is something that I didn't discover on my first reading. I don't know if you noticed this on your first reading. Uh, I did by chance of the fact that I saw the news first. Ah, I did not see the news first. So all I did was read the book. Mm-hmm. And it happens to you know refer to something that is depicted um, in a smaller panel. Right, it's not a splash page. It's a smaller panel, but uh, it's hard to believe that it that 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 there wasn't some sort of intent behind it, and it's hard to believe that it actually made it through several letter several layers of creators and editorial. Right, that's the worst part. Yeah. So you know this, you know it's it's a it's a pretty, and I don't know if you have a a new story behind it. I do. So, you know, it's a pretty serious screw-up regarding, you know, a panel with that pretty much has anti-Semitic signage. Mm. But all that notwithstanding, it was still a pretty good issue. Right. Uh, you know, at least from my point of view, because it features some insight into Joe Fixit, into how Joe Fixit really helped Banner survive over over the years. Um, it has Gamma Flight making a discovery. Uh, that's going to lead, you know, that's going to help propel the book forward and the UFOs show up in force. Yeah, it's actually kind of sad that um, the the imagery kind of overshadows the book. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, like, the, the book is, I mean, the issue. Like, obviously, we, we've been on top of uh, Mortal Hulk since its inception, and it's been continuously good. Like, this is a pretty good uh, issue of that, but it's kind of sad that the the... The things that are being talked right, about. that it's in the news for that exactly. Right. That it's in the news that people are are paying even paying more attention to it. You would think, you would hope that. And my understanding is that without without going back and consulting the numbers, you know, Immortal Hulk is one of their better titles. Mm-hmm. Just, just you know, just from our point of view and and in terms of uh, uh, readership, I believe. Immortal Hulk has got a pretty good following, and that's really a, 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 a really, you know, it, it's a shame that that uh, people are are looking at this and reacting to, you know, admittedly is something that that's that, that's pretty, uh, you know, it, it's pretty serious, 
you know, it's pretty bad, uh, you know, taken as a whole, you know, taken, you know, taken as a whole, it's, it's, it's a pretty bad situation. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also quite possibly one that certain people would overlook. I overlooked it. Mm -hmm. I read right past it. Yeah. I read right past it. My first, my first reading through and the funniest part is that one, it's a small, it's a small panel. Right. 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 Reading it in the course of reading it in the course of reading a comic book, you, you know, I glossed over it. And the, the funniest part is that my mind, and we all know that, that the brain does tend to do this. My mind completed words that may not have had all of the letters that were there in front of me. Right. Because that's what you expect to see. Right. You know, I forget what, I forget what, what that phenomenon is called, but it's a common, it's common, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's something that everyone understands that the, you know, that the brain sometimes completes words, uh, uh, without all the letters being present because that's what you expect to read or you're kind of reading past it. Right. You know, you're reading past what's being presented to you. Right. But, well, not even, but like part of me feels like, and I'm not making any excuses for the art choice that was done here by no means, but I felt like if you were watching a movie and a scene like this kind of played out, I feel like partially like within within one part of it, like obviously there's another part of it that's kind of low low more glaring on it than not, but still could be looked past um in a certain in a certain view like like you wouldn't think anything of it because we're like no, you're just seeing like it's almost like what you're saying here like yeah you'll you'll see a shot and like you you wouldn't expect much of it because like well, that's pretty much you know if you know where they are and what you know and what uh in the perspective that you're looking at like you like yeah it wouldn't be that far to see except for probably uh, uh, the head on a shot um in a movie theater would in, in a movie would probably be smaller than what was presented in the perspective here like that's probably the the, the bigger difference of it and also like i said it's yeah it it, it it's a weird choice to do and, um and it was a and it was a sad choice that it won like it just sort of said like that it kind of went through so many layers but i did somebody saying um you, you, you don't want to make a little change here or something right anchors colorists and editors mm-hmm. essentially you know there's literally two anchors on this book and a colorist and they all have you know part of it is you know there's no longer a marvel bullpen all this stuff is being done digitally Right. So there's really no one looking over someone's shoulder. And unless the inker is really looking for it or the colorist is really looking for it, five will get you ten. They'll gloss over it the same way my eyes did. Mm-hmm. And only people who are like just pouring over each panel and each particular, you know, part of a panel to look for whatever thing. Cause you know, it's not outside the realm of, of possibility that Easter eggs and whatnot happen in a book. Like we've like, I know when we were reading Miss Marvel, like that happened on the regular, mm-hmm. you know, like little Easter eggs would be uh, put into the, the, um, the backgrounds of the panels or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I'm granted this is a slightly different case, but, um, 
something like that, you know, then there are people who would probably pour over stuff like that just to see if there's anything there. Like this one, while may or may not be in the case, or maybe who knows, but you know, like I said, if you're, if you're, like if you're looking for something and happen to catch it, that's one thing. If you're not looking for something and you, and you happen to catch it for, for, for what it is, like, yeah, that's kind of something that's probably someone else should have seen, you would think. So, but here well, we Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, at the very least, the inker's in the colorist, mm. before, even for editorial. Right. So... Uh, whether we see anything else out of that or, you know, uh, at this point, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. But again, yeah, we'll it's a, a shame because one, their run is almost over. Right. But you know, also, and that's, it, really I mean, the, the, that's really a hard, that's a hard thing to, as, as a reader who's been, fo- you know, as readers that have been following this series since Jump, right. that's a hard thing to swallow as you, as you make it through to the end of the series. Right. And I guess the only other thing about it is, like, you know, if if it's found to have been, and I know there's been an update to the story, which I saw, but I didn't get a chance to check that out. But, you know, if it was actually done uh, maliciously by the artist, um, which we uh, we don't, as far as we know, know, whether it was or not, not, um, you know, that's going to affect him getting work, you would hope. (laughs) It's going to affect him getting work after the fact or even around the fact, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but again, like I said, we'll we'll be talking about this a little bit more in the news. Um, and is there anything else you want to say about this issue? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, like I said, you know, you folks are pretty much doing their audition for Garrick, which figured they already had the job, and you know, and the, everything you said about uh, you know the, the what we get about Joe Fixes and his relation to Banner and everybody else is kind of uh, played out, which was cool. Um. You know, and that whole other situation with Gamma Flight is whatever's going to happen with that because we we see what they're trying to do. Uh, but that being the, oh yeah, so yeah, the, the part of because there was something that gave bring up about um, banners in the world thing that Joe was talking about, and I I can't help but note that as being a connection to what we eventually find out is the is the Maestro. I don't know if any of that is going to play into you know the rest of the run of uh, Immortal Hulk or not. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious of whether it was, you know, was because obviously we know that's the thing that is, you know, is going to happen in the quarter, in the quarter of the future. And it's going on now with the, you know, with the um, miniseries uh, that are out now. So I don't know. That being said, you got a book you want to put out? Uh, let's see what you read. Uh, we can do, well, considering that mm-hmm. Roddy Cat is averse to, uh, reading anything dealing with King and Black. I'll leave that for rapid fire. Uh, how about we do Strange Academy number eight? Yes. Uh, this issue, oh, hot on the heels of Strange Academy number seven, which was out last week. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, it's written by Scotty Young, with art by Umberto Ramos, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, this is another potential click of the week for me. Um, in this issue, we have a spoiler alert. 
<laughs> like literal spoiler alert because it was in last week's issue. Uh, I'll ring the bell. Uh, we have a bunch of storylines going on, believe it or not. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of stories and subplots that get moved forward in this issue. You know, we get newly resurrected Doyle. Um, he's got to be debriefed and go through therapy. Yeah. We have we have a group of students who are off-world with Kana, of all people. I was happy to see that. It, is is a, is a professor at the Strange Academy. You know, for those of you that don't remember Kana, she is the uh, thief slash archaeologist type, kind of like a Dr. Afra type mm -hmm. uh, that, that was introduced in the pages of Mark Wade's Dr. Strange. And uh, she has returned uh, to retrieve a magical artifact uh, that she had contracted with Rocket and Groot to steal, but then they lost it. Uh, and now they have to be now they have to go and retrieve it. So Rocket and Groot make an appearance in this book as Kana's teacher's aides for the day. You know, uh, 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 you know, following along with um, uh, the idea that this is still a school. Another group of students have a class with the one Agatha Harkness, while she may or may not be out uh, messing with Wanda and the Vision in New Jersey somewhere. Um, and surprisingly in this issue, kind of touching directly upon uh, something that we noted in the previous issue, which came out last week, Doctor Strange shows a little bit of emotional maturity, at least when it comes to dealing with young students. Mm. Right, he and basically forgot where. You know, oh, oh no, get. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, he basically, as his, as his explanation was, he pretty much forgot who he was talking talking to. Which you know, yeah, for him, that's he, that's saying a whole lot because you know what we know about Stephen is like he sometimes don't give a care about how he talks to people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's growth. It's growth. Mm -hmm. uh, it's character development. You know, you know, we. I think uh, I re if I recall. From last week's show, I I I chalked it up to uh, kind of shifting out of um, the operating room mm. and getting into you know uh, and getting into uh, like the the scolding grown up uh, you know uh, 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 role I guess. Right. You know, it, it was a pretty rough transition for, for Doctor Strange and, and, and the way he had to deal with uh, Emily Bright, um, you know, was, uh, you know, he was he was definitely, uh, you know, in the wrong on that. And he fi we find him in this issue trying to make amends hmm. and for and for real reasons as well. Right. You know, having to make having to having to reach out to her and, and, and try to mend fences because there's a real reason for him to do that as well. Right, uh, which actually ended up being kind of adorable um, with, you know, at the tail end of their conversation because obviously he needed to talk to her because there was some still some stuff going on with her situation, uh, which like I said, we don't, we don't necessarily have to get into with uh, one, Doyle kind of coming back and the way he came in back and even, you know, her part in that and their interactions between each other that apparently was a real thing. 
I guess, from last that we saw in a flashback from last issue. Um, but yeah, it's like going back to the whole Doctor Strange talking to people thing. It's like you know what? I'm I'm sorry. As an adult, <laughs> like his reasoning was sound in this case, but I'm sitting here like, well, if I was one of the Avengers, which who by the way, one of which shows up, uh, in the course of this uh, issue, right? Um, you know, if like you're sitting here talking to me like that, and you, you know, like, and I'm an adult just like you, like, all right. <laughs> yeah, we would have we would we would have words, as as this character would be noted to say. So, but that being that that aside, you know, it's like that was kind of a funny thing to uh, a funny reason for it, but it makes sense in this case. But yeah, I enjoyed uh, Strange Academy for this week. I, I usually do, and the only other thing I was kind of wondering about was like, I have heard this name Dead Girl before. Do you know that character? Uh, from the Ecstatics, from okay. X Force. I should have known. You didn't recognize her? No. I mean, I a... didn't really read those issues, but for but 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 uh, that is from the uh, Mike Allred. Okay, that makes a whole lot more sense then. Okay, yes, I never read Ecstatics, so actually Ecstatic. Um... So, but I was like, I knew, like, like I feel like this person came from somewhere, and I was like, I feel like I've seen that name before, and it probably in relation to music, so that would make some sense also. But mm. I, and I didn't go back and do the, uh, do, do the, you know, do the legwork on it. But I was like, all right, still going my dead girl instead of dead woman though. But regardless, right, <laughs> that's that was the whole thing. I'm like, that was kind of interesting to to put in there. But yeah, I enjoyed uh, Strange Academy, and um, I assume they the reason why we're getting back to back books was because they're the, because we know they did um, miss a month, so they're just basically trying to catch up. Right. Yeah, Peter Milligan and Mike Allred, mm-hmm. and Laura Allred on the ecstatic stuff. I remember when that came out. Right. Yeah, like I said, I was that was pretty much when I was out of the the X book stuff at the time, especially wasn't reading. Right. You know, some of the, uh, I mean, I definitely wasn't reading X Force at the time. I actually inherited, I was gifted. I didn't inherit because this person didn't die. Right. I was gifted uh, a, a run of X Force that contained uh, these issues. So I do, con- I do uh, have uh, the X- Ecstatic's first appearance in my collection. Gotcha. Was it X Force or X Factor? X Force. Oh, okay. And it became Ecstatics. Ext- uh, Ecstatics. Oh. But. It was in like a later era of X Force. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. Almost like what New New Mutants did with uh, X Force. I guess. You know where it ended and ended up going into X Force. Was this kind of? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, that being said, though, I guess uh, if we got none of that pertinent you want to put out there, um, we can go to rapid fire. Sure, we'll rapid fire this. Here we go. Uh, All righty. All righty. So uh, I will run through the rest of my books. I don't think we have too much overlap except for maybe one more book. Mm-hmm. Um, Deep Beyond, number one. This is an image book. Uh, it's written by Mirka Andolfo and David Goy. Uh, art by Andrea Brocardo, uh, colors by Barbara Nocenzo, and letters by Fabio Amelia. Uh, 
this actually has a story of a post-apocalyptic vision that involves the ocean and the rest of the environment becoming too toxic for humanity. And something happens, some, some event happens that causes uh, humanity to create tech and shelter to protect itself. Uh, the art involves some body horror slash biological horror that results from exposure. It's an interesting premise, and the art is what makes you kind of get a little queasy. But, um, you know, the story is involving, and I would recommend it because it definitely has a strong sense of mystery to it. So we'll, we will see where that goes after this issue. Uh, next up, I'm going to cover three King and Black books, but not the main Venom book because, uh, 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 it does come, but, but it will come up later on. Uh, first for me is King in Black, Gwenum versus Carnage number two. It's written by Sean and McGuire with art by Flaviano and IG Guara, colors by Rico Renzi and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. Uh, during their fight, fixing my typos as we go, Gwen learns that her MJ, her and when I say her MJ, it's her universe's MJ, bears some resentment towards her. And they and she also briefly confronts Null. So there is some movement in this. And uh, as a quick reminder, because this is written by Sean and McGuire, there is some evidence that this mini series is going to prove to be part of the overall um, ghost spider continuity. And I may have to go back and either get this as a collection or make sure I'm able to track these down and put them into my collection. I haven't been able to pull them just yet. Um, now that we have two issues now, I may have to track them down, but uh but yeah, anyone who's following Ghost Spider may need to uh, track down these issues of Gwenum versus Carnage. Next up is King in Black, Black Knight number one. It's written by Simon Spurrier with art by Jesus Saiz, you know, which is always solid. You know, Jesus Saiz is always, always solid, and you can look forward to his solid artwork. Uh, letters on this book are by VCs Corey Pettit. This is a, a surprise potential click of the week for me believe it or not i need to get a sound drop of that believe it or not this was a crazy one shot with dane whitman arrow and Swordmaster taking on and defeating an avatar of null we also get some serious character study and possible character rehabilitation for dane after years of the character being downtrodden and uh, a little bit of insight into our back channel discussions, folks. Uh, one of our other panelists did not like this book because of uh, some of the, uh, the some of the, because of the tone that was struck in the storytelling, as well as um, possibly how the Black Knight character was being treated in the story. I got a kick out of it. It was lighthearted, but at the same time, done as a way to you know, move, move the black Knight character towards some form of character rehabilitation because he really has 
been on some downtimes, and a lot of it does stem from uh, his days on the Avengers and, uh, you know, some of the effects of um, his interactions with one Cersei of the Eternals, which is obviously going to come up during the Eternals movie. So um, at the end of the day, I think this is at least some way of uh, and and I and I don't use the word rehabilitation lightly. This is some way of rehabilitating this character to make uh, to you know to kind of put some of what's happened to the character over the last several years into uh, into a context and kind of uh, compartmentalize it away and have the character move forward. So we will see how that goes with the. Black Knight One-Shot, also written by Simon Spurrier, coming out next month. Actually, no, I think it's a miniseries. I don't think it's a one-shot. Yeah, I think it is a miniseries. Um, and I would go so far as to say that uh, in our show notes, in the ClickBank section, there is an, uh, uh, there was a, an interview with... Or is it... Um... Okay, I thought I put it in here, so maybe, maybe not. But I thought there was a put with the writer of this uh, one shot, or the, or that one shot about their plans for uh, yeah. Black Knight. Yeah, Simon Spurrier. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know, at the very end of this issue, they uh, uh, they 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 lead you with uh, well, they lead into uh, you know, up next. You know, Dane's adventures following King and Black will continue in an all-new series by Simon Spurrier and Sergio Davila, covers by Stormbreaker Ivan Coelho. So, uh, yeah, that's on sale March 17th. Mm. Oh, actually, oh, yeah. they No, they're leading right into it. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's, um, I thought I put it in the clickbait section. It's actually in the news section talking about this King and Black one-shot. That's what it is. But but either way, the, the interview is in there. So, All right. All right, next up, my last King and Black book uh, is Return of the Valkyries number two. With uh, It's written by Jason Aaron and Torun Grumbach, uh, art by Nina Vacueva, colors by Tamara Bonvalain, uh, and letters by VCs Josephino. Uh, Danny Moonstar is fighting off Null's forces in New York while Jane and the unnamed Valkyrie visit Valhalla. And, get, and we, out of nowhere, pun intended, Get the origin of nowhere, the space station. You don't expect that to happen in this issue. You're right, and I thought we would have had that already. Well, we have the origin. We know what it. We know we know what nowhere is. Right. But we. But 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 in a sense, we don't. There's a there's a a a, a, a primary concept behind nowhere. You know, we have to get from A to B. To a space station of a floating celestial head. So sure. in this case, we actually find out how we get from A to B to that. Okay. Um, you know, we have Jane gathering more forces. You know, we know what the the, the eventual, the, the 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 ultimate idea behind this book is that uh, the the Valkyries are reformed after what happened to them at the beginning of War of the Realms. Um, while the unnamed Valkyrie quest to regain spoiler alert here. The unnamed Valkyrie quests to regain Yarnbjorn. Up until now, we what we understood to be Thor's old axe, but there seems to be more story behind it. 
Okay. And last for me, and I believe Roddy Cat also read this, is Star Wars High Republic number two. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity this week to catch up, and uh, I had skimmed a High Republic number one, but with number two out, I reread number one just so that I could put um, the characters into their proper context. This book is written by Caven Scott, with art by Ario Anandito, Inks by Mark Morales and colors by Annalisa Leone and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. Keeve Trennis, newly minted Jedi Knight, is on her first mission as a Jedi with former master and twin Jedi. And it all goes south after they find a dead hut. And when I say a dead hut, I'm talking about dead, you know, Jabba the hut. You know, or Pizza the hut. Or, you know... You guys know what I'm getting at. So you get a dead hut and uh, things go bad after that. Yeah. So um, I basically said, I'd said, I, as far as those, the Jedi twins, I call them the Jedi Crimson twins. Oh, that's, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they pretty much do the same thing. Tomax and same hot too. <laughs> They're finishing each other's sentences and feel each other's pain and all that kind of good mess. So I was like, yeah, that's, that's clearly what they are. But yeah, um, there's, not really much else to um, to uh, add to this, except for the fact that we are introduced, or at least we um, we don't necessarily get introduced, but they talk about the big bad that I know. If you've been seeing any of the, um, you know, um, if you've seen any of the talk around what's going on in High Republic, uh, one of the big bads are called the the Nihil, and we get they get referenced in here uh, as those. Um, as of being the perpetrators of uh, what happened to the hut and everybody else in that, uh, in that um, uh, ship that the Jedi are investigating. Uh, but we also find out that there's probably something wrong with uh, something going on with skier also. And we got to get hints of that last, um, last um, issue and that he may be uh, having uh, a mental breakdown maybe some ptsd type situation uh given what happened to him on a um on a mission that we have not seen but gets referenced um oh yeah we also get uh first signs of bacta and that we at least that we know of in well i mean obviously this is set 200 years before the prequels or something like that so um you know apparently bacta being a thing that's uh on the come up but as we know in you know Star Wars lore at large, that's kind of a thing. That's a a, a thing in the in the original trilogy, especially. But apparently they they got a, they got a come across it here. So yeah, it was a good good read. I enjoyed it. All right, you're up. Yep. Uh, and for my books, and I actually apologize ahead of time because um, I know I had started doing this last week, but I didn't get a chance to do all of the books as uh, uh, creative teams. Uh, uh, for this week for one reason or another. So, that being said, um, <clears throat> the Legend of Chang Chang the Legend of Chang Chang Chi. Good Lord, what's going on? Number one, written by uh, Alyssa Wong, artist Andy Tong, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. Um. 
Uh, Shang-Chi's gets tasked by Leko to steal a soul-stealing sword and runs into Lady Deathstrike doing the exact same thing. Uh, and it, apparently this is all leading up to... Uh, well, not leading up, but apparently something out of that um, confrontation is going to come back up again at some point. But this seems to be a, a one-shot kind of setting that up. Um, whatever that might be. But it was a good read. I en- enjoyed it. It was a pretty pretty quick read but uh, you know i've been i've been enjoying reading the the shang chi stuff that we've been getting lately so it's cool uh star wars number 11 written by from off the top of my head i believe it's charles soul's book um oh by the way b- before you move on mm-hmm. uh, i did read that Shang the legend of shang chi book and what's funny is that lady deathstrike when Alyssa Wong writes into Lady Deathstrike's dialogue is exactly what we were all thinking, or at least what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a second, this is Lady Deathstrike. Like, she, t- you know, she's taking on, you know, oh, yeah. uh, some of the baddest customers in the Marvel Universe, specifically one adamantium bone-laced, uh, adamantium-laced bone-having, uh, claw-having, healing factor-having Wolverine. <laughs> And, uh, you know, how does Shang-Chi stack up to this? And obviously he stacks up very well, but there's some there's some dialogue in there that obviously um, I I, want to say it was before she breaks out the uh, the adamantium claws herself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and and it's funny that she actually uh, keeps them sheathed for a while before. You know, as they're as they're, uh, I guess measuring uh, measuring each other, uh, you know, uh, as fighters are are want to do. Right. Uh, she keeps them sheathed until uh, I guess she needs them to press an advantage. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it, it's it's interesting to see Alyssa Wong literally write that into the story as we're all thinking it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, that whole you know the whole confrontation between the two. I enjoyed it. Like I said, if you you know if you have any uh, interest in the, the character of Shang Chi or or what anything we just said, you should definitely check this out. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. I would like to have seen a little bit more of it, uh, but it, this was apparently a one shot. So a tease for more, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Star Wars number eleven, written by Charles Soule, artist uh, Jan Bazaldua. Uh, colorist Rachel Rosenberg and lettering by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, so Lando imposed that. So basically, this is at, at the, the, uh, the at the end of the last issue. Which are you up on this? Uh, I'm a little bit behind, but I know where we are because gotcha. I, I was uh, I, I skimmed uh, the previous issue. Gotcha. So yeah, so this is pretty much taken up after the events of the last issue, where Starlight Squadrons ran into a little bit of trouble. Uh, and meanwhile, back at the the the, um, the the rebel base, as it were, um, there's a little kerfuffle going on because there's this translator robot that uh, is pretty much killing Lobot, and obviously Lando's like, "Hey, uh, you you keep doing this, Lobot's gonna die, and that's my priority." And and um, uh, Kes Dameron, okay, aka Poe's dad, is like my wife's still kind of out there, so we need this thing to do, continue to do this doing thing. Um, uh, meanwhile, like I said, while uh, Squad Starlight Squad is out there fighting against uh, Lieutenant Sarah's uh, Star Destroyer and Tie Fighters and whatnot, ever, and I loved it because um, there was a 
Rogue Squadron uh, reference that I didn't think was going to happen this soon, but nevertheless, there we go. And we're talking about the video game and not the actual squad uh, that uh, probably came out of that. Uh, but Wedge is in here, so, so you know that was kind of expected. But I do love the way that the resolution of uh, at least actually of both problems, but um, uh, it ends uh, without giving too much away it, with uh, some uh, with the the Rebel Alliance actually trying to get on the upper hand and going after uh, going after some folks. Uh, and there was also another thing that there was a little, seemed like a throwaway line, but actually it made me th- remember the fact that three um, PO does something to kind of save today on one part of it, and uh, he mentions that oh yeah my whoever made me you know in their whatever wisdom you know pretty much made me to to adapt to, to the situation or whatever or be able to learn the situation and it's like oh yeah I forgot he doesn't know that Anakin built him because his mind got wiped. Right. So, and that was a that was the kind of thing that was like, oh, right, yeah, that was cool. Um, for 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 them to bring back up for whatever other reason. So that being the case, yeah, start with that was that. Um, see, far sector number ten. Uh, written by N.K. Jemison, and as I pull up the book here. Uh, yeah. N.K. Jemison, uh, writer, artist, and colors. Excuse me, an artist and coloring by Jamal Campbell. Lettering by Darren Bennett. Um, and that is it. So, Joe gets caught uh, by while investigating in an illegal meme sweatshop, as, as it's being called. Uh, and then apparently, someone she knows and been dealing with it has been is not only aware of it, but owns the sweatshop, but it claims I didn't know uh, that things were going on with it. Uh, and at the end of this, we come to find out that there is a real-world parallel parallel with something that is going on uh, in this place, as in vote tampering, as in, you know, long lines for voting, because on the other side of this, there was a, a referendum that's supposed to be voted on at the same time, Um and actually, weirdly enough, a coup uh, ends up starting at the end of this uh, issue, which, you know, these bo- books are written like months ahead of time. So, you know, with what has recently actually happened uh, in the real world is kind of a weird foresight. Right. Um, We're not talking about Myanmar, fo- uh, folks. Right. So, like... The, Although that really did just happen. Right. Exactly. Um, so it was kind of a weird thing to see that happening in the book that just came out when something that, you know, like I said, this books, books like this are written like four to six months in, a, in advance. So the fact that it's popping up now, right after some real world event happened is kind of, kind of interesting, but, uh, this still, this is still a, uh, good reading. And I think from what I'm understanding, this book might be, uh, about to end in a couple of issues. Um, I thought it was originally like a six issue, but that uh, obviously that is well past that point. So, but I think they went ahead and made it a maxi series. So, mm. if you are interested in the adventures of one Joe Moline, who is a Green Lantern, who's in a well uh, far off place from the, um, and actually this is probably still taking place before uh, Future Story. Obviously, like this is kind of in the present where Future State is in the future, uh, where she's on the Justice League. 
but um, yeah, we'll see what, how that comes out in a couple of issues, though, if if that is the case. Um, unless they did actually make it into an ongoing series, which I, I keep seeing that they did, but I'm not haven't gotten any confirmation on that, and so I will look into that. Regardless, um, next book is Future State: The Next Batman, number th- three. Uh, written by John Ridley, art by Lara Braga, uh, breakdowns by Nick Darrington, and colors by Arif Prianto. So, um, yeah, so I was reading this book and I've been catching up with other Future State books. Like I read, uh, like a couple days ago, I read the Future State Nightwing book and a certain thing happens in that book that kind of remained, that kind of made me feel like they're doing the same thing in this book, but it's not like the case because I do remember what happened last issue is just so happened to be a similar thing. But, um, that being said, I was legit thinking that the couple that shows up in his Batman book was one of the same who go, who goes after Nightwing, Nightwing in his Future State book. It is not, but a similar thing does kind of end up happening, just not for the same mm-hmm. reason. Uh, there's references to the Future State Dark Detective in this, um, and there's some some you know talk with other characters about the you know whether the law is just or not and. Uh, uh, interesting argument with Lucius and his wife about that, where apparently Lucius kind of was a dick about it, um, which is kind of weird from what we know about the character. Um, but we also know Lucius, you know, being the head of Wayne Enterprises has something to do with the, um, the magistrate and how they got some, some of their tech, uh, which also doesn't play out in, uh, Dr. Tef, Dr. Detective because, um, from what I remember catching up with that, it was like, well, there was a couple of companies that show up in that book that Bruce is apparently going after. None of them Wayne Enterprises, although Wayne Enterprises is mentioned. For uh, so whether that's kind of, you know, we do know that the the Gotham stuff in Future State is kind of connecting, and it's still that it mm-hmm. still seems to be the case here. But there's some things that that hadn't really uh, come to light or whatever. But um. But at the end of it, yeah, back, the the people that Batman were trying to protect from their own selves are decided not to go quietly because of, you know, something. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Future State Wonder Woman number two, written by, um, oh jeez, you did this thing where you put it in the back of the book, didn't you? Yes, you did. Uh, nothing. Um, Joel Jones, the writer and the artist. Jody Bell Air doing the colors, and Clayton Cowles, VCs Clayton Cowles are doing the lettering. Um, so pretty much, Wonder Woman heads into the underworld to petition Hades on the thing, and Hades tasks her to sure you could do your thing, but you got to do this other thing first. Um, which, if anybody playing video games knows Hades. Knows the video game Hades, which is also a you know takes place in the underworld and has to deal with Hades and people surrounding Hades. This is kind of amusing read uh, as far as a, a different, slightly different take, but uh, but not that far off. Uh, so it's kind of funny to read that and play that game, read this and play that game. But uh, apparently, it goes a certain way, you know, and wherever that ends up being, what the case it is. Last but not least is Transformers Beast Wars number one. 
Um, Where's the book? All right. For some strange reason, we don't have that book. I mean, we do have that book. I ain't gonna second. Let me find it real quick. Sorry, folks. That is my finding book uh, uh, sound effect. You're welcome. The book is written by Eric Burnham uh, with arts by John. Oh, wait. No, I have this one. Um, Eric Burnham written a book, uh, art by Josh Burcham, and letters by Jake M. Wood. So we get the peek at Gavilar, Galavar, a.k.a. Megatron, who we come to find out from the Beast Wars uh, TV series. Uh, we find out his initial plan to steal the golden discs. Like, if you if you watch Beast Wars, you kind of know a whole lot of this. But this is pretty much before everything uh, happens. So we get his plan, and it seems to pretty much go through his plan to steal it and even his... Um, eventual meeting in with or he and the Predacons meeting with the Maximals and Optimus Prime or excuse me Optimus Primal uh, that set pretty much sets up the beginning of the Beast Wars show in fact kind of goes into that proper uh, in a certain way so this is definitely playing off of that but not the same so this is kind of a different take on what happened in that first episode of um, of Beast Wars, but also a little bit before that, and then there's even a few more extra, a few more bots that were not in the show that show up here. So this is, like I said, uh, as I say in my notes, uh, this is a definitely a slightly different take on the show, and I enjoyed it actually. So I'm looking forward to seeing more uh, of this. Um, the art is actually kind of cool. It's a little, you know, it's a uh, kind of sketchy, and I don't mean sketchy in a bad way. Like just like the the style of it, um, in in certain respects. But it's um, but it works for this, and the the portrayals of the the characters that you kind of know from the series are, um, pretty much like what they are, with exception of like Optimus Primal kind of seems a little antsy. But we do get a little bit more into like what well, what his feelings are going into, or what we would think his feelings going into. Uh, Beast Wars, because if you watch that show like I did, it was like, yeah, he seemed like, you know, some of it seemed like, yeah, he, you know, he, while he is the leader of this group uh, that is tasked to do this thing, you know, the, the burden of leadership was kind of on him and he had different takes on it. And this feels like it kind of sheds a, a slightly a different light on what it, he would be feeling uh about that or maybe the same feelings you know like it, it, it would kind of make sense actually if you go into the show proper as uh, why he would you know you know why it would be this way because you could even tell in the show it's like all right this is, like, this is my thing but i could be doing something else basically so yeah if you're interested in that you should definitely check it out and that is better or that's my books clicks of the week all right clicks of the week And we already got two clicks of the week from our other hosts uh, in absentia. Dirts is Man Bat number one. Um, he says, Man Bat made me sympathetic to Langstrom for the first time in like ever. And the art reminded me of Norm uh, Brayfogle. So there's that. And for Tim, 
he, um, after some consideration, he went with Venom number 33. And I guess he's saying it was good art on it. Um, cause that's right. I mean, we know that, uh, Tim dog 98 has been following this venom relaunch since its inception mm-hmm. and obviously has been, uh, following this, you know, the eventual, you know, the development of this King and black storyline from, from, from go. So, uh, you know, it's no surprise that, uh, you know, that, that he's been, that, that he is, um, has been willing to stick with this book for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, at least knowing that, uh, knowing that now. Pretty much. When I read this book, when I read this book, it was, you know, and, and what's, I guess what's difficult for me, and maybe I'm a little too, uh, uh, a little bit too much of a stick in the mud when it comes to um, characters being reformed into heroes from villains or from anti-heroes. There is a concerted effort in this book and the series overall to transform Eddie Brock into a quote unquote hero. And it just doesn't jive with me. Uh, I, I just remember where the character started mm-hmm. and that it, it just doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't fly with me. <laughs> but, and, 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 and part of the, the gist behind the book is that, you know, it's, you have to take the good and the bad, you know, it's, it's the facts of life theme song all over again. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I still can't, I, I still can't get that stuff out of my head. So it's weird. It, it's definitely, and obviously the idea of Venom being an anti-hero and, and being a reluctant hero is, has been a long simmering idea, you know, not too long after the introduction of Carnage is when, uh, that came, that, that came to, that came to light, you know, so it's really only what? Uh, less than two or three. Yeah, it's about let, let's say like two or three years after the introduction of. Let's say like three years. Let's say like roughly three years after the introduction of Venom. After the introduction of Venom back in like eighty, eighty eight, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. We get Carnage in ninety two, and we get Venom becoming, or at least migrating towards an anti hero status. You know, as opposed to being like a straight villain. So you know, the, the, this this transformation's been has been long in the making, but I still can't. It doesn't jive with me. That's that's probably my my biggest uh, 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 you know, I guess preconceived notion that that kind of prevents me from 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 getting on board with this transformation. Gotcha. Or at least character transformation. Right, right. Yeah, I just really never had that much of an affinity to the character. It just, yeah, after after the initial, um, I could probably not even then, now that I think about it, but even after the initial, you know, uh, introduction to, like, kind of like you, so. But yeah, it, it just never stuck with me. But when when Venom got especially when Venom got popular, which is the thing you'll probably know about if you if you've been paying attention to me, like when certain characters get real popular, I kind of like them very much less. Mm. Depending on the character, obviously. But so, all right. The that being said, uh, I don't know. You have yours. I have a few books under consideration. 
I really liked Strange Academy again this week because there was a lot of stuff going on. And I really like the fact that Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos are really, you know, it seems like they're clicking on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Scotty Young is an artist himself. So we have a writer with artist sensibilities. And sometimes that doesn't fly, but in this case, it seems like he's able to juggle lots of different storylines moving forward. You know, we, you know, you can argue that some of these issues, or at least the the book itself, seems to lack focus. But I would also argue that you know we're juggling a pretty big cast of characters here, and they're doing a really good job of. Uh, highlighting, you know, the, the what makes each character special and and carrying the stories forward. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, carrying the stories as in, you know, several uh, several storylines forward. Uh, you know, we're not just talking about the students, but the staff as well. You know, the 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 the, uh, the faculty and the staff. So it makes for a really interesting read and a really, you know, a more dense read than what we're maybe used to. Um, like I said, King and Black, Black Knight number one, also a surprise potential click of the week because, you know, they really do a good job of of of, of really kind of picking apart the Black Knight in this issue. So that's why that that's why it was it was just a lot of fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun to read. They really pick him apart. <laughs> you know, it's it's really an issue of tearing down to build back up. Right. Um, and of course, mech strike because that was just a lot of just fun. You know, it makes you feel like a kid again. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Oh, you know, and if it wasn't for the awful, you know, the 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 awful screw up in Immortal Hulk number forty three, that would be up there too. So, I think what I'm going to go with is uh, I'm going to go with mech strike. Avengers Mech Strike number one, just because I had so much fun reading it, and it did feel like it was just, you know, like a cool, like uh, a cool, like you know, let's let's play with our toys concept and see what we can make, you know, see if we can't make something cool happen. Mm-hmm. And if we actually get toys out of it, then so be it. Um, well, I was about to say before we move on, we'll ne- we'll we'll never get to scale. Um, uh, mech strike toys for the Marvel Legends figures because those things would be expensive. Um, True. The reason why I bring that up is I don't know if you have this in the news. Did you put anything in the news about the uh, Super Seven Thunder Tank announcement? No, but I think I have something about Transformers, but not. Did you have to see that though? Just uh, you know, before, while you're considering your your click of the week. There, an, an announcement came out, a pre-order announcement came out this week. Uh, you know, Super 7 has the license for Thundercats toys, right? You know, they're doing like a nice 7-inch, 6.5, 7-inch scale um, uh, action figure line for Thundercats. And they're really detailed and they appear to be uh, pretty well articulated as well, like in the Marvel Legends vein. And... They announced for pre-order this week a scale Thunder Tank that's going to run four hundred and fifty dollars. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Ooh, I'm, I, it's a scale Thunder Tank. Like you can put uh, with when you take the turret out, you can put six Thundercats in there. 
you know, two in the two in the cockpit, and I guess four in the in the um, the cabin. You know, with opening, with, you know, with the where, where the cabin opens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to, it's to scale. To... That thing is gigantic. Yeah. I'm and four hundred fifty dollars is no joke. And if I was um, heavily invested in thunder in Thundercats, I would be uh, on board with that in a heartbeat. Mm. That is going to be in the show notes because I'm putting that in at the end of the news section right now. Uh, right. That being so, said, the only reason why I bring that up is because you know scale. If, if you're going to put these put toys into scale with these six or seven inch figures, those things are huge and it's going to cost a lot of money. That was my only point with that. Right, and people need to see this, so definitely definitely the other reason why I'm putting this in the show notes. Um, but for my click of the week, going back to that. Um, definitely Mech Strike is a, is a, is a, is a good one. Uh, Strange Academy also, uh, the, the Transformers Beast book is actually a, a not bad one. Um, Shang-Chi also actually I thought was, 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 uh, a very fun read. Uh, hmm. Um, yeah, I think... I'm actually going to go with Transformers Beast Wars number one, but then definitely everything I have said, uh, or and we have said uh, with these books uh, still uh, applies. Like I said, there's some there was some good stuff, some good even unexpectedly fun stuff like uh, Avengers Max Strike um, that came out this week that I'm actually looking forward to checking out in the the, the next issue of. But yeah, but I shall go with that. And with that, uh, we'll transition over into the um, the cinematic news. But first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put put in the offer code SHOP10. S-H-O-P-10 for your 10% off discount. Fun code through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off as we do every week with the cinematic news. Uh, starting off, Stan Lee's superhero kindergarten trailer introduces Schwarzenegger's uh, Captain Fantastic. So Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, shared a new trailer for Stanley's Superhero Kindergarten, which was a series that and I know we, I talked about this with uh, Agent Seventy like after the show last week was something that was announced like a like, well something we came up uh, came to be announced or at least brought up when like right after Stanley's passing or something like that. I remember that it was a thing that it was supposed to be working on, uh, but apparently it is now have a trailer for it and the series centers around five children who gain superpowers after the fallout from a battle with Captain Fantastic 
uh, voiced by Schwarzenegger, and uh, who is now powerless and serves as the teacher's students. Uh, excuse me, as a children's teacher, showing them the value of health and exercise. Now, if you are familiar, yes, this sounds like Kindergarten Cop just a little bit. Yes, this also found, sounds like like um, what is it, Sky High or whatever one of those um, one of one of those movies like that. And also sounds like My Hero Academia just a little bit. So you can't help but think this is there's not much new under the sun, but you know we'll see. We'll see how this goes, if it, uh, wherever it ends up, I guess. Uh, next up. Oh, wait, apparently it's going to premiere. Actually, wait, it has already appeared on the Cartoon Channel. Was I'm like, looks like a typo. I have no idea what this cartoon was spelled with a K channel is. Um, but there you go. It's already out there. Next up. Alrighty, uh, next up, sorry, scrolling, 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 uh, spoiler alert as we get into our discussion of WandaVision episode three and four, um, WandaVision, uh, reveals another victim of the blip in Avengers Endgame, uh, the cold open for WandaVision episode four starts with Monica Rambeau, spoiler alert. Uh, we are a week out, so you should be um, you should be up on this. But I'm going to ring the spoiler bell anyway. From here on in, spoilers for WandaVision episode four, uh, which starts with Monica Rambeau, Tiana Paris, beside a hospital bed, having been reconstituted. She, like so many, returns from Thanos' snap after Hulk and the rest of the Avengers uh, time travel heist in Endgame. Then there's chaos as Monica makes her way through the hospital. Um, there's lots of stuff going on because of people reappearing. Um, let's see. And that's pretty much that's pretty much it. That she was a victim. Right. So, yeah. And there are videos out there that people have done um, that are pretty much like side by sides of uh, her coming back in WandaVision and uh, the events of people coming back in um, um, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And I believe also from Endgame also. So if you can definitely go check that out. But yeah, we come to find out that um, that uh, Monica Rambeau was one of the folks snapped, which was really sad to uh, find out because of what happens to, or what she finds out uh, after she comes back. Because she's thinking, it's like, oh no, she probably fell asleep for a couple of minutes. And no, nah, she was gone for a couple of years. Uh, and uh, what came out of that? Um, so I guess let's go ahead and before we actually, if, cause I know you said you wanted to talk about the, the episode. Um, so, you, well, I mean, uh, I didn't have a chance to go through the news this week yet, but uh, I wanted to see if there's anything here that will basically touch upon, um, upon what we might talk about hmm. yeah we didn't really have a, a, a big chance to talk about what what part did you wanted to talk about um with that but i figured at least well, this I would mean, have been get it, through, 
let's say we'll get through the news and if there's nothing that's if there's something that's not covered we can just recap it okay we'll get through the you know the wandavision news through these i guess like three or like three or four more stories cool uh, next up, then that being the case, uh, so remember last week when we um, gave, so brought up that article that supposedly had the um, the translation, which still actually mm-hmm. is the case. Well, apparently, um, so the the question of that, if you didn't watch last week's episode, like so somebody saw the uh, Portuguese translation of the song that Wanda was singing, and come to find out uh, from me looking back at it. There was no English translation of it. In fact, Portuguese was the only one where that was even remotely translated because mm-hmm. yes, I, I actually went back and did that. None of that even matters because apparently, thanks to the writer of the show, we found out what the uh, lullaby was actually saying. That uh, doesn't seem to have anything to do... Well, well, let me phrase that. Um, it's less to do with what folks were speculating in that article from last week. Let's just say that. Uh, in fact, we come to find out that, um, let me see, um, it's not, a, well, according to the writer, Jack uh, Schaefer, uh, it's not about the larger mystery of the show. In my mind at the time, it was like a sincere version of a TV sitcom theme song, uh, which actually does, if you look at the um, the thing, it does sound like the, the Three's Company theme. Uh, Read in just a little bit. But, uh, okay. uh, let's see. Yeah, the like a real heartfelt one in her own native language, that being Wanda and Sokovia. Um, uh, the last part about the sunshine, this was cheesy, but I'm going to tell you, there was a song in my prenatal fitness class that was very woo-woo. Uh, that last line, was the last, the longtime son that we would sing about. Uh, it was my first baby, and I would sing it to him, so it was just a little thing for my kid. So, yeah, basically, so this is saying that the... Um, the the lyrics to the that lullaby doesn't mean anything pertinent to the show that people are speculating. So sorry. But the the lyrics uh that have been translated are We've been waiting for you, which that's the where the three's company sing sound like for kind yeah. of me. Uh now you're here, more perfect than I imagined. A house is now a home, a house is now a nest. Uh no matter where you go sunlight shines up on you. So, yeah, those are the translated lyrics. Where's Mr. Furley? I know, right? <laughs> now, also, you, you can safely say that maybe she's saying that because this is a red herring, but I, I've, I've, I feel like, nah, that's probably legit that, <laughs> that and the, 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 they didn't mean what people were thinking it meant last week. So there you go. Mystery solved. Next. Mm. Okay, so uh, next up, um, again, spoiler alerts, uh, WandaVision's new character could have an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connection. So you got to bear with us here because I didn't know this until I read this article uh, uh, when it was posted uh, a few days back. Um Episode four introduced a brand new character, acting director of S.W.O.R.D., Tyler Hayward. A deeper dive into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., though, reveals that he may have a connection to the MCU's past. Uh, Tyler Hayward is the, uh, the acting head of S.W.O.R.D. and who send, and, and the person who sends uh, Monica off to New Jersey to assist the FBI with this missing persons investigation. 
On the surface, Tyler Hayward seems like a generic suit who serves as a personification of sword, but looking into his family, possible family history reveals a whole lot more. Tyler shares a last name with Brian Hayward, a character who played a role in the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Brian was an Army veteran who was inducted into Hydra's Centipede Project. He was injected with a mixture of the super soldier serum, gamma radiation, and the extremist virus, turning him into turning him from a, su- a soldier into a super soldier. Um, you know, with this, you know, with these uh, abilities, Brian took part in an ambush of Shield and Phil Coulson, but unfortunately, his raid was unsuccessful and he was captured by Shield. And while a prisoner of Shield, his X-ray eye implant activated a failsafe, and he was killed. And apparently there was also a sister as well um, uh, that appears uh, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, um, you know, it's a, it might be uh, a, a throwaway, but it probably isn't. Yeah, nine times out of ten in these, in these situations, there's there's definitely something. Like, and you, you could t- almost tell when when he was introduced like this is feels like somebody that does have some sort of tie, whether, you know, loose or not to something. Cause they wouldn't have just given him that kind of FaceTime for that reason or for no reason, but you, you never know in these situations. So yeah, that could very well be the case. So good on those, the sleuths on that one, I guess, whether we come to find out that's actually something behind that, that's going to come out in the series or not. Uh, next up, though, also continuing to spoilers for episode four, WandaVision may have introduced a way to bring back villain, Vision to uh, back to reality. <clears throat> um, and I probably won't go too far into this, but, um, you know, during episode four, we do see Vision in a certain state outside of the one that we've seen him in the last in the episodes proper. Um, and of course, people are going to speculation, you know, especially speculation mode on what does that mean? And if you just saw the video, you can see the, what I'm talking about on as far as the way he was looking. Uh, and then this whole article kind of goes into uh, a theory as to what possibly uh, could be a way for them to have brought vision back. There you go. Next up. All right, new hashtag emojis have surfaced for discussing WandaVision on Twitter, and the actors behind the characters who are making their first appearance are apparently thrilled with them. The new emojis include Monica Rambeau, Darcy Lewis, and Jimmy Woo, three characters who were in the spotlight in episode four. Uh, We interrupt this program. That's pretty cool. Hmm. I'm going to, uh, going into the next article, I'm going to say that uh, we should should have more... um... Um, Darcy Lewis in the MCU. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, uh, WandaVision's Kat Dennings unlikely to be cast in Thor Love and Thunder. So apparently Kat Dennings, who plays Darcy Lewis in the MCU universe, is likely to uh, be uncast in Thor, Thor Love and Thunder, which is the next one. Um, she's obviously in WandaVision, as we have seen. Um, and Miss Dennings replied that when she was asked, well, I've not gotten a call, so I kind of doubt it since they're shooting it right now. So probably not talking about filming being in uh, Thor love and thunder, but anything Marvel ever asks of me, the answer is always yes. So 
there you go. So we don't know if uh, if Cat uh, Dennings is going to be in the next Thor movie, but she should be. And yeah, More right. Darcy. I mean, given I was about to say, given the fact that uh, you know they are shooting right now, but they're not done yet. So right. there's there's you know the possibility is there, but also she doesn't necessarily have to be on set. You know, and there's always reshoots, so there's always a chance that this could be going on. So, you know, obviously she's not going to 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 let it drop that she's going to be on, um, because you know Marvel snipers, and um, you know, but but uh, you know, we we just have to keep in mind that uh, the uh, Love and Thunder does have a lot of stuff going on in it. <laughs> Right. It definitely has a lot of story in it because they're they're melding they're they're melding a, a couple of different stories together. Well, at least so, that, yeah, from what we know of anyway. What's that? I said from from the stuff we know that they're doing. Right. From just I mean, but just based off that, there's already a lot of stuff going on. Hmm. So uh you know, whether or not they're able to put in anything more than uh, a cameo for Darcy um, you know, might not be practical, but you never know. There's still time, so we'll see. You know, we, we won't know until it's uh, until it's out. So right, but also uh, what we come to find out in WandaVision is that uh, that uh, Darcy's finished her studies and she is now a full blown um, doctorate uh, in astrophysics. So. Um, you know, that could call for her probably was like, no, she's over here doing this and doing her own thing and not with Jane Foster. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anything could also still happen with that as colleagues. So, right. Right. I'm surprised there's no article here about, because uh, I know that there were some that we didn't put in anything about uh, Randall Park actually working on his close-up magic um, and, and, and showing some real character uh uh, development from where he was in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp so till now. I, I have seen those and um, and I do and I definitely have seen that and the fact that people were talking about uh, like yeah he should have his own show you know with him just going around doing stuff. Uh, well right there's, 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 there's two concepts right. right. There's him going around investigating and there's him and Darcy teaming up. Right to investigate, a la uh, X file style. Well, some so, people, yeah, some people were just like, well, just him, and then other people have possibly, like, oh, yeah, well, if you're going to do that, add her in the mix also, just like that. So I agree. Right. So, but yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciated that they brought Randall Park back. I mean, we knew that he was coming back; it was already announced. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of when. But when he walks out and he does his little close-up card magic trick, I'm like, oh my goodness! Right, they kept that. It up. was flawless because we we it wasn't focused on it; just sort of happened. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, 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 Captain uh, and 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 Monica Rambeau gives it some mind. Like I I think she sort of notices it, but you know it's you know it, it's their first meeting, so she doesn't you know she doesn't like giggle or anything like that. She's a she's a sword agent. She's right. a captain. So well, yeah, and she doesn't know. know the history of it like like the people out on the outside do. So she just think uh-huh. of it, she's probably just thinking of it like, well, this is just a thing he does. Right. Right. So there's no yeah, so there's no overt reaction from her, but I definitely know that I was not alone when I was like, Oh snap, look at that mm-hmm. you know, when I was watching it. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, that people was a have lot taken of too fun. Much. Yeah. I so 
here is where I say I do love Randall Park and I do love the fact that Jim Woo's in there and I do like I do kind of sort of lo- like his version, but I don't know. Is obviously is a very different. Well, not a very different. It is a different take, you know. Uh, oh, even in, very. Yeah, in the, in uh, in the MCU than even if what we see in the comic books now, much less just in general, or, or what we have seen in the past in general. So I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. Because he's always been. I mean, you know, of, of the few times that listen, uh, Jimmy Woo was an obscure character that was brought back to, um, uh, to 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 launch this uh, Agents of Atlas. Um, a concept mm-hmm. and well, he was always played as a serious agent of right. shield exactly oh uh you know starting as an fbi agent then moving on to shield um you know going back to you know again the regretfully titled yellow claw um i believe that's where he first made uh, his appearance and then we got to see him in of all places and Again, another rough look at the racial stereotypes here. We got to see him in the Godzilla comic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, uh, but no, but, but all that aside, uh, you know, they can't all be um, super serious agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> so, oh, and, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that it should be, but I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like, I, 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 I do enjoy the portrayal or whatever, but even in the, the Ant-Man movie when, you know, when he first appeared, I'm like, I'm like, eh, I guess it's just great writing. That's the, that's the kicker, mm. you know. Just just the way they they write the character where he's not exactly, uh, you know, he, he's not exactly um, Drax when things go over his head. Which thankfully, but it, it's another level. It's yeah. a different level, you know, a lesser uh, to a lesser extent. Yeah. You know when ask him things he doesn't necessarily get you know get where they're going you know and it takes him a second or he needs to be reminded of what the question actually was intended for right. so it you know it's just i i i i, I like the portrayal you know it, it makes it fun it gives him a chance to really flex his comedy chops mm. so uh you know it's it's a lot of fun um but in any event you know just getting back to the episode what I liked about the episode is that, you know, we definitely got some answers. We finally get, you know, and, and, and one of the things that we get is uh, uh, the reason why they were kind of hinting at episode four being a turning point, And that's exactly what it was. We get, you know, a, a, you know from, from a very uh, bird's eye view what's happening. And, you know, we still don't have answers as to why things are happening but we do get a sense of what is happening and how it's being perceived by uh the rest of the marvel universe so or the marvel cinematic universe that is so that is you know that that's what what was, that's what was great about this episode and you know we've glossed over the fact that uh both darcy and um jimmy Wu have come back but that was huge right you know to see them reintroduced into wandavision at the very beginning of phase four of the marvel universe but also we knew they were going to show up here marvel so. cinematic universe right but like that no, also we knew we huh? knew Right, you know, as people who uh, people who keep track of these things, but knowing, you know, but knowing that the the, the greater, um, you know, the greater viewership 
probably had only an inkling of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was huge to see that these two characters are uh, are are part of the the ties that bind this show into the greater MCU. Obviously, the two main characters, the two title characters, um, uh, obviously tie it into the the MCU. But to see these two characters um, from other franchises, other sub franchises of the movies sure. of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, come in and 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 and, and join this one. It's 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 pretty cool to see and 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 like I said I think people who are in this just for the the movies and the TV shows I think that was a a, a pleasant surprise for them and it was great to see you know uh, another form of interconnectivity moving forward. I mean, listen I, again. I knew that you know they both were going to be here and I was excited to see them both. You know, like I said, so that's that's yeah, that's that's still saying that, but at the same time, it's like yeah, okay, here we go. Um, you know, and without I'm about to say something real stupid, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, so I guess where we're on this point because I think uh, the the news after this, while being related to. WandaVision is probably going to go a little go a ways from it. So anything else about the episode at the large that you wanted to talk about? Uh, let me think. You know, I didn't take notes on this. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't think you were uh, going to go into it like this, but I'm uh, just trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to, to touch upon. Um, so here, while you're thinking of that, let me just go through. Let me just go through this real, real quick. Um, so yeah, as um, as has been stated, uh, episode four kind of pretty much actually, I, I kind of love this. What this happens in comic books sometimes, but basically everything we saw in episode three, um, and even pretty much going forward, you know, kind of gets answered as Agent Seven gets said in this one because we get to see uh, the situation from a different angle. Like if I won't, don't want to go into it too much in case people still love it, we'll spoil it a little bit. So we get to see the the um, the other side of what was going on uh, while issue while episodes one through three was going on uh, from the view of you know sword and, and uh, the sword and Jimmy Woo's FBI uh, uh, side. So. That in itself, like seeing everything, because you already see, it was like, okay, well, this is when this happened, this is going to happen, this is what happened, and we get, we pretty much get caught up in the last three episodes from that side of it, and that in itself is actually a cool thing. Sometimes that happens in like shows and um, shows and comic books and whatnot that I, that I appreciate it. So for in that respect, like I enjoyed it for that, and then we get back to we pretty much get back to the current um, at the end of the episode where you know where. Uh, which was also mirroring the end of um, well, pretty much mirrored the end of episode three where, you know, uh, Monica Rambeau is like, it's all Wanda. It's all, you know, it's all her, everything, you know, all of that. Uh, but we also get a couple more answers uh, in the, in the uh, show outside of everything that's going on with that, with, you know, uh, some stuff that we didn't see in the episode that got quote unquote edited out. And that, uh, you know, and, which is also shedding light on some some more of the situation, and I will just go off on a, a side thing that says that like I have been enjoying the ride so far. Like I didn't have a problem with the whole um, like 
the whole um, sitcom thing going forward. And I know there are people out there like, finally, it's getting good. And finally, we're getting to this and that and other instead of, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about people not appreciating the journey and just wanting to get to the thing. Like people think it's actually starting to get good when it's actually been good if you like certain things, you know, and people's propensity to want to hurry it up, you know, is, is kind of a bummer because you kind of lose sight on, you know, the whole the whole thing. Now, sometimes, like, yeah, they, they, they have a tendency to, to to go a little far with it, you know, when they're doing stuff like this. But in this case, I think it was just it was done just right, or at least right enough so far. Well, I mean, to that point, I would say that you know, and I think we've talked about this before as we were going through the first couple of episodes where people were kind of bitching and moaning about you know how long things were taking and. Um, you know, we obviously grew up in a different time yeah. where we had to wait for shows to <laughs> be broadcast much the same way they're being broadcast now by Disney Plus mm-hmm. uh, on a weekly basis. And so you're forced to wait and you're just like, no, I want more. And, but that's great because they leave you wanting more. Right. Uh, you know, and, and obviously, um, you know, for those who end up binging this once it's all done – they won't have to worry about that, but they'll also have to avoid spoilers for the better part of two months. So yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, we, we, we've uh, we've probably grown accustomed to binging more so over the last several years. But we remember what it's like. So we just have to kind of turn that off. Mm-hmm. At least, our, you know, it, it, we at least still have that mode of being able to wait on a weekly basis for shows. Whereas I think there's a, a definite, uh, uh, generational gap in terms of this, uh, uh, habit or, or mode of viewing mm-hmm. when, it, you know, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to being able to see things all at once. Mm. And actually going back to the show, the, the episode in itself, I do love how, uh, Darcy and Jim Boo, uh, both had their levels of of interest in it, and they even say, like Darcy even says, like I'm, I'm invested, and thereby kind of mirroring some fans, you know, some fans' reactions to the show. Uh, in fact, in, in a couple of different ways, if you think about what in a couple of things that happened in the uh, uh, in the episode, because there are a couple of times it was like, yeah, this thing is doing this ex- is asking the exact same question or saying the exact same thing that uh, the fans have been saying, you know, right. Right. What Jimmy Woo writes on a whiteboard mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, a summary of everything that we've all been asking. Mm-hmm. So I do love that touch uh, of the show so far. Like I said, we, you know, the the next episode is um, going to be upon us in a few hours from this recording. So, you know, I imagine there are going to be more people than not, uh, you know, seeing what's going to happen from this as opposed to the first three episodes. You know, or I guess a little more eager than some folks have than uh, in the first three episodes going up into this. Um, like, yes, yeah, so like, I don't know if there's anything else from the show at large that you wanted uh, to, to mention about the episode because I can't. No, I mean, anything. we're we're right on the cusp of we're literally on the cusp of getting episode five. Mm-hmm. There's really not much else to discuss because. Uh, you know, we, we get we get our the, the reintroduction of these um, supporting characters, which which proved to be you know completely you know just, just they they knocked it out of the park with that, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know we get to see how it all relates back to the ending of episode three, and 
we'll see how uh, you know we'll see where uh, you know where, where Monica goes from here. That's really the character that's probably going to springboard out of this. So we'll see where she goes from here. And that is definitely a character that a lot of people you know are you know wanting to see. Uh, where it springs board out from this because obviously well not even obviously the people are thinking that she already has her powers at this point and the which may or may not be the case or are going to get her powers at some point during you know whatever happens right. in the rest of the show that we that we don't know about right either here or it might happen in the captain marvel movie Could. you know just might lead to it well it's like i say yeah we don't know but yeah people are speculating that she's already got it because of something happening you know between the, these last couple of episodes but i'm like no nah, i don't think that's the case some of it even speculating that she might already have it when she came in you know when she came in basically um but that's neither here nor there we don't know yet so we'll see right and the other thing about the episode is that the whole thing with the vision people have having speculations about you know that kind of stuff that they think has gotten fully answered but there's still a good answer a question or two that has sparked up from that um that i'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing about whenever they decide to do it and i think and i know i don't have this in the news but i think elizabeth olsen has been out there saying there's basically a um um there's a potential Mandalorian season two uh episode eight type Luke moment that uh could be potentially coming. Uh right. Elizabeth Olsen herself, I believe, yes, she yeah. says. Mm-hmm, she did. Uh and people are saying, well, it's like, well, people are basically saying it's like it's probably not gonna be that big because it's already there, but like we don't know who or what it's going to be. Uh, and there's even a still the theories about who or what, if there's any, a big bad in all of this that uh, people are uh, theorizing about that could also be that. So we don't know. Like I said, we still got some uh, good ways to go. All right. We're not quite halfway there. So, nope. So, well, actually, wait, mm. we will be. Well, I guess but I we're not we are, there only, yet. Wait, how many episodes did they say it was going to be? It was, okay. So yeah, we're, we're with so this after one. the fifth episode, we'll be halfway there. Right. So there you go. But moving right along, folks. Um, uh, I think this is me, right? Yes, yeah. I think so. Spider-Man Three social media reveals WandaVision connections. I thought this was a funny story. Mm-hmm. A new social media post from Sony features two potential links between the upcoming Spider-Man Three and the Disney Plus series WandaVision. Um, some grab screenshots from multiple story posts that Sony created for its Flash Thompson Instagram account show um, uh, polls detailing uh, the fallout of Peter Parker's identity as Spider-Man being revealed and teasing Ned Leeds becoming Hobgoblin. The final story involves a shot of the Daily Bugle's website, which features a story on Spider-Man's identity reveal. But elsewhere in the image, there seems to be nods to WandaVision. Uh, Let me pull up this article because I did read this. Um, There's a mention of, I believe, an Area 52 in New Jersey, which might be a nod to, you know, Westview. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is... um, What's the other one? The sword thing. What's that? The sword thing. Oh, the astronauts. Yeah. Find those darn astronauts. There it is. Uh, because uh, there's something that's mentioned about um, losing astronauts. That Hayward, uh, that Agent Hayward fellow, uh, mentions about uh, missing. Mentions something about missing astronauts, which could be a tease for 
uh, the Fantastic Four as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, this article is also um, um, mentioning Venom or the uh, the Venom symbiote. So I don't know, could be that. But also, um, there has been speculations uh, or even teases uh, that this and one one division, excuse me, are going to be tied into the events of. Or maybe not, maybe not, but basically going to be tied to the next Doctor Strange movie, um, mm-hmm. which is going to be dealing with the multiverse, which kind of makes sense with what we have heard about some of the casting decisions uh, in the Spider-Man movie, but also potentially, you know, what could be coming out of a Wanda vision. So wouldn't be a surprise if that's actually the case. Uh, but next up, though. Speaking of uh, Spider-Man 3, which isn't still yet untitled, uh, Spider-Man 3's uh, set photos indicate another super suit with no Frozone, sadly. Oh, no. A new photo. I, still... I was about to say, uh, 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 hold that thought before we move on. Did you happen to see um, a cosplayer that I have met before who's actually connected, who I'm connected to through my... Uh, oh, the my Frozone? Yeah. Uh, Yes. Yes, I did I'm, see that. I, I've met him before at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I think I partied. I think I was at a party with him too, and I'm and I'm connected to him through my uh, my friend who goes who who sometimes goes by uh, Doctor Martin Luther Strange. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty small world to see. Hey, I know that Frozone guy. Yeah, I did see that. And if you haven't, I don't have it in the in the show notes. If I can dig it up, I probably will. But um, it's a pretty good Frozone. That was uh, some pretty good stuff going on there. Right, he's co- basically, uh, folks. He's cosplaying as Frozone in the middle of the uh, crazy, like two and a half day um, uh, snowstorm we had here up in the northeast uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Which you know what, you got to take the opportunities when you when you get them, right? Exactly. Hey, he didn't have to shovel like I did, so you know what, you can go out and cosplay all you want. <laughs> but that had to be cold in that little suit. I mean, but you know, unless he got some lining in there or something. But still, that's got to be. Yeah, cool. I was about to say he that's probably dedication. had some long johns. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, but some of that depending on how your suit's made, like the, some of that would show. But I mean, obviously, but since it didn't, you know, that's all right. pretty well done. Uh, yeah, you can go check that out yourselves. But um, back to the, back to this though. Uh, new set photos of Spider-Man 3 have surfaced and hint at a number of possibilities which could either be a throwback to an old Spidey suit or an introduction to a new one. Uh, posted to Twitter, the photos show an unknown actor, who is likely Tom Holland's stunt double, clad in a motion capture suit. Uh, this has led to speculation from fans that the Iron Spider suit, given to Spirit Parker uh, by Tony Stark, will return for the third untitled movie. Whether the suit re- re- returns as a flashback or something else is unclear. However, as little is known as the film's plot, it could be an all-new suit entirely. It could be the Amazing Bagman. We don't know. It probably is not. <clears throat> it definitely is probably not. That would be funny, though. <laughs> the bombastic ba- Bagman. Excuse me. Let me get it right before somebody, <laughs> before somebody says something. But yes, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the, the photo from the Twitter uh, that, um, that, uh, that is in question there. Next up. So is this still really a rumor if Cheeto's the one saying it? Um, I feel like yes, but I still put it in there because of the fact that he said it. I, right. I mean, granted, and, this is a little bit more of an, a report on that, but, but especially judging where it's from, that kind of gave me a little bit of pause. But the fact that he said it, if you know, I haven't seen that thing, but yes. 
Right. So I, I still want to treat it as that. Right. So essentially, Don Cheadle has has said in an interview um, that War Machine is going to appear in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series that is set to debut in a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bible spoke with Cheadle about his own Disney Plus show, Armor Wars, and how it's going to address the death of Tony Stark um, that happened in Avengers Endgame. It's not a spoiler anymore, folks. That was a while ago now. But um, but yeah, so at the end of the day, we're going to get some more Rhodey. And we knew this because it had been announced, but um, it wasn't announced that uh, that Rhodey was going to appear in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Right. But it's also not outside the realm of possibilities that he would. You know what I'm saying? Well, he's still alive. Well, so, but there, I mean, there is that. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, Tony being dead aside, and obviously they were on opposite sides uh, during Civil War. But you know, after all that got hashed out, you know, and you know, there's nothing. And obviously, you know, we saw them, but we didn't see. Well, they see basically kissed and made up, right, during a game when Rhodey realized that he was on the wrong side. Right. So. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it makes sense that we're going to get, you know, in these shows, we're going to get cameo appearances. So, right. And being that Rhodey presumably would still be with the attached to the military at this time, there's, there's no reason why he wouldn't, they might need to go go to him for what about reason, you know, him showing up on their show. Or he's getting court-martialed the way he expects, so you never know. Well, there was also that, but I'm not sure why that would have to come out in this show. Um, but regardless, whatever reason for it, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with it. Cool, that being the case, you know? Like I said, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that something like that would happen. You know, just the reasons for it, we just don't know yet. So, that being said, next up, um, good news, everyone! Um... Uh, a series based on Wakanda is in the works at Disney Plus as the Walt Disney Company has entered into a five-year overall exclusive television deal with writer, director, producer Ryan Coogler's Proximity Media. Uh, with principals uh, Zinzi Coogler, Zev Ohanian, Ludwig Goranson, which uh, um, the Mandal- you know from the Mandalorian theme, or the Mandalorian music, rather, uh, Archie Davis. I was about to say, you know him as from from the Black Panther music as well. well. That also, yes. But I'm just saying, people currently would know as as opposed to. I was about to say, well, didn't they win an Oscar? They did. My <laughs> I'm point just saying, still stand, sir. Come on, let me get let me get this. Let me have this. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, you he won right. an Oscar for the you know for for the score. Yeah. So. But, you not know, everybody, that's, but not that, everybody would put, put that name on everybody's radar, you know? Right. But the, the, the Mandalorian would be more close to the people's radar than, than Black Panther would be at this or point. Or recently. Right. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. Archie Davis and Peter Nix, uh, to round that out, uh, you know, Kugler, as one notes, wrote, co-wrote and directed uh, the Black Panther movie uh, and the, series, the sequel that is being worked on. So apparently this deal also enables proximity to develop television and other divisions for the company. And I said in the notes, it's as if they have a world of Wakanda to go off of. So. Ha ha. Ha ha. And I guess folks know that it was a short, short notes comic book called world of Wakanda that, um, that from what, a couple of years back at this point, I guess, or like a year or two ago at this point, which should have, kept up but you know 
yeah, it is what it is on that one. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, I know I also saw a uh, someone uh, an article out there saying that it might should well that it should have uh, should be surrounding Nakia's uh, aka uh, Lupita Nyong'o's uh, spy missions, which I'm like, eh. But it also sounds like uh, as World of Wakanda did, maybe centered around the Dora Milaje, which sounds fine with me. I'm I am all here for it. No surprise to anyone who knows me. <laughs> so, um, shout out to um, Ryan Coogler and his peoples. For, Hopefully, this doesn't interfere with him putting out that uh, Bitterroot movie. So, I know, yeah, uh, that, that's true too. It does take, you know, you know, it, you know, you know. We hope that uh, there is no um, too full a plate there. There is not too full a plate there. That is right. I would like uh, to believe that that is a little bit. And I granted, COVID aside, that that is a little bit farther along than this just coming to light but yeah we don't know we have we have no idea yeah so so uh next all up. right uh next up marvel released its official trailer for the upcoming disney plus documentary marvel's behind the mask which delves into how themes of identity and comic books play a crucial role in the company's storytelling success um i'm looking for it does it have an official release date it uh, it debuts on February twelfth. Okay, so that's that's soon. It's a little bit more than a week from uh, the date of this recording. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I keep saying I'm gonna catch up with some of that stuff because actually I've I've kind of poked at some of the, the documentary stuff that got on there, but not fully. And I was like, yeah, it looks like it's gonna be some some interesting stuff. I just really hadn't gone deep within it yet. So, uh, the boys season three begins filming. Um, Apparently, the explosive season two finale of The Boys left both Voight and the titular group in uncertainty. Uh, it appears fans won't have to wait long, too long to find out what happens next. Uh, showrunner Eric Kripke recently teased that the production on season three is about to begin. Kripke posted a, an image of himself on Twitter wearing a mask at the airport. Uh, he explained, on my way to Toronto to film season three, I'm smiling under this. It's all happening. And you can see the tweet uh, there. From him, so there you go. More of the boys. Next, you should watch it. Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers has released the official synopsis for writer director James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which teases Task Force X going on a search and destroy mission. Um, some of the DC villains and antiheroes called out in the synopsis include Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Captain Boomerang, Ratcatcher Two, Savant. King Shark, Blackguard, Javelin, and everyone's favorite psycho, Harley Quinn. Part of the Suicide Squad's mission will see them dropped off on the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Now that rings a bell. Mm, okay. The film, the uh, what's we call it? The film is set for simultaneous theatrical and HBO Max release on August sixth. And to some of those names mentioned, who? Some at least. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um. Yeah. I don't. Well, it'll get here when it gets here. Uh. Should I? You know what? I am going to take one, two, these next three. Have fun. Uh. Zack Snyder's Justice League has been finished, according to the director. Uh. We also found out that the um the release date has been confirmed and apparently there's been an update to the article saying that it's not going to be the four part thing that we 
Hard Hard is going to be, but a full length, uh, according to the full length Max original film feature. Uh, when it premieres on HBO Max on March 18th. So now didn't they have... push it to the end of the month? Huh? Didn't they? Didn't they like revise that and push it to the end of the month? According to this article, uh, it says March 18th. Which I thought it was supposed to be like in August, though. So I thought it was supposed to be. I thought they moved it to the thirty first. Mm, I don't know. Uh, let me, let me, I just want uh, to double check. Here, let me let me uh, refresh this. Story. I could be wrong. Um, I thought I saw something where they revised that and and pushed it. Uh, Tales for the uh, Snyder Cut. Uh, shush, shush. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not you. Huh. That's so funny. It does say March 18th, according to everything I see here. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not sure where I saw that, but I'm going to stick with what you have reported that it's streaming 318. And it looks like that's what the Snyder Cut Twitter is also uh, putting out. So, we'll mm-hmm. stick with the 18th. And there's even three posters on this article saying exactly that also. So it 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 is what it is on that. So, but yeah, I could have sworn they said August and in, like uh, initially, like they seem to have moved it up. If that's the case, and it was supposed to be the four one hour things, which apparently um, is not anymore. I don't care. Just let the thing go get get out of here. Uh, last but not least, on that front, uh, it is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, the Snyder Cut has been officially rated, and it's going to be R rated. For I believe of violence and yeah for violence and some language according to this, um, and of course that famous Batman drops an f bomb thing that's come back up no, apparently is is part of the reasoning. So, okay, that's that. Next up, uh, Aquaman two may start filming this summer, says Dolph Lundgren. Um, so so according to Ivan Drago that uh, he states that he might be heading to London for summer 2021 to start filming on the DC film sequel Aquaman 2. He says, I may be doing it. Nothing solid. He says, I may be doing it. And they're coming out the following year in the theaters, they hope. That's what he says, as reported by comicbook.com. Apparently, he spoke at a panel uh, during a virtual Wizard World panel this past Sunday. Okay. Hmm. All right. Sweet. Next up, um, DC's uh, what's the, the, the blah, blah, blah. Warner Brothers Animation and Warner Brothers Home Entertainment has revealed the first trailer for its upcoming animated film, Justice Society World War II. Uh, the trailer features the Justice Society in action, whose members consist of Wonder Woman and Jay Garrick as the Flash. Uh, not separately, of course, obviously, you know. Uh, alongside Our Man, Black Canary, and Hawkman. The JSA is on the verge of winning World War II when Barry Allen, the Flash of the Future, finds himself traveling back in time when he enters the Speed Force because he never learns. Um, and this is going to be coming out spring 2021, so sometime soon-ish. Next. 
All right, Batwoman's big Batman 89 reference may hint at villains to come. In Batwoman's latest episode, Jacob Kane discovered a photo in Kate's phone that linked Sophia to a major Batman villain with a reference to Batman 89. Um, the latest episode just casually name-dropped the Joker, or at least one of his aliases. In the, title, in the episode titled Batgirl Magic, um, Jacob Kane, the Crow Commander, Jacob Kane hacked into his daughter Kate's phone only to discover she was investigating a painting by none other than Jack Napier before she disappeared. Mm. That's the reference. That is. Um, also, Jack Napier has been a part of another, uh, elsewhere, well, in the comics anyway, has been a, a part of a fairly recent, uh, well, recent uh, miniseries in the comics that uh, I'm quite fond of that I've talked about before. So, slightly different take than the Batman Eight Nine, but still, actually, I take that back. Not with the not with the the um the thing I've talked about last week. I just thought about that, but nevertheless, that's the thing. And who doesn't love Batman Eight Nine? Next up, uh, Netflix's Sonic Prime, Sonic the Hedgehog animated series confirmed for twenty twenty two. So Netflix has announced an all new animated uh, Sonic the Hedgehog series, Sonic Prime, next set to premiere worldwide in 2022. The animated adventure will consist of 24 episodes, which will follow Sonic on a high octane adventure where the fate of the strange new multiverse rests in his gloved hands, quote unquote. Um, while that sounds like a familiar premise. Netflix notes that the series is more of a race to save the universe, quote unquote, as the blue blur ultimately finds himself on a journey of self-discovery and redemption again, quote unquote. And it, this will sign prime will be a collaboration between Sega and wild brain studio. Um, as the two companies are jointly handling production, distribution and licensing of the series alongside Ben 10 creator, man of action entertainment who will be serving as showrunners and executive producers on the project. I would really love to look into more of man, man of action entertainment. Cause I know what that's about and I've seen it for years, but I wouldn't, would love to see how they got started. I think I've probably said that before. Anyway, that's the thing. Next up. Actor Idris Elba and his wife Sabrina are producing Dantai, an Afrofuturistic science fiction series for anime streaming service Crunchyroll. Uh, Idris Elba serves as executive producer through his Green Door Pictures production company, and Sabrina Elba also executive produces through her company, Pink Towel Pictures reported deadline. The saga explores the struggle of two people in a futuristic society where one community benefits from biotechnology and the other suffers from the lack of it. So, uh, let's see. Right. So no anticipating you know, and, and obviously animation takes a while to produce. So we may not see uh, this actual, uh, you know, this actual uh, product for a while. But uh, it's cool to see that they are working together with Crunchyroll on this. Yeah. Eh, quicker than you think. But yeah, there's, you know, we'll see when when that's actually going to going to happen. So I saw that. I'm like, hey, there's actually a couple other things, but not nothing that would, you know be worth bringing up here but apparently there was a couple of announcements that uh, Crunchyroll is doing so good on them or Crunchyroll is aligned to anyway uh, some good news in the last of the well some great news in the last of the cinematic news the real Ghostbusters cartoon is coming to YouTube 
uh, not unlike what uh, Hasbro is doing with the G.I. Joe uh, stuff right now, which I still haven't seen uh, Cold Slither on there, but you know what? They need to get on that. Next up. Anyway, not next up. Um, Ghostbusters fan will have the chance to relive Saturday morning memories thanks to the official Ghostbusters YouTube channel. Uh, the Ghostbusters YouTube channel will release the pilot of the real Ghostbusters to watch for free and urged fans to subscribe. Saying, quote, get your giant bowls of cereal ready. Uh, hashtag the real Ghostbusters are bringing back Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> uh, the franchise's account tweeted. Uh, so as it's, as this article says, it's only the pilot episode and not, you know, of not uh, a bunch of them. But I assume they're going to add some more as time goes by. Um, and no word, even though we know Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming, uh, uh, and I don't know if it's in a relation to that, but I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, if I'm coming from, I meant to check this, look this up. Um, I feel like we're Ghostbusters is out there on some platform. And uh, I don't know if, uh, I mean, that's not saying nothing to, uh, against what's going on here, but I do hope, you know, they put more episodes out on the YouTubes. Cause that'd be cool. Cause I do, I haven't been in, I have been enjoying what they've been doing with the GI Joe stuff. Um, even though like you, even when you check the live stream, it's like, no, nah, it's pretty much the same episodes over again, but they also do have the episodes themselves just out there readily, um, ready to go. So, it's cool either way. More, more, um, uh, more franchises should do that. I am just going to say. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it is actually streaming anywhere, but it is what it is on that. That's fine. That was a good show. Dark. It was a good show. Uh, so now we're going to transition into the comic book news. And we start off with Damian Wayne's mother being a major part in the new Robin series that's coming up in March. Uh, Robin and status roles and status quo have shifted dramatically across the DC universe in the upcoming infinite uh, frontier era, including Damian Wayne and his mother, Talia Al Ghul in the pages of the upcoming, uh, Robin solo series. Um, at the end of Dark Knight's Death Metal, Talia was seen amongst the totality, a group of heroes and villains unaware of the new state of the, excuse me, aware of the new state of the DC multiverse after its rebirth. Um, this heightened responsibility will inform her role in Robin, launching in April, not March, by Joshua Williamson and uh, Gleb Malnikov, following up from back stories, backup stories in March's Batman 106 and Detective Comics' uh, 1034. Also of note, she's been in Future State. She showed, just showed up in Future State. Which is kind of weird if you think about what's going on in Future State, but I think this was a slight different, a slightly different time, as some of that stuff is, because she shows up at the end of of all series, uh, Catwoman. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the time frame of Future State is kind of weird, and some of the stuff is happening at different times of things, but like. But given what she shows up and, and what she's doing at the end of that seems weird in relation to a couple of other books, specifically Dark Detective. Um, 
I'll just say that. Next up. Next up. Uh, new DC Speedster Jess Chambers' brief but winding journey will continue in the infinite frontier new, new DC universe. Writer Josh Williamson tells Newsarama. DC's first non-binary character debuted as a teen sidekick Kid Quick as part of a gender-swapped Teen Titans team from Earth-11. That story by writer Ivan Cohen and artist Eleonora Carlini was part of the DC's Very Merry Multiverse Anthology one-shot. Chambers then graduated to the publisher's January-February Future State event. That's currently underway. They appear as The Flash alongside Superman, Jonathan Kent, Wonder Woman, uh, Yara Floor, and blah, 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 as members of the near-future Earth Prime's Justice League in the limited series by Williamson and penciler Robson Roca. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Yara, um, DC's new Wonder Girl gets her own series in May, which we kind of already knew this anyway, because that was something announced uh, at the when Future State was announced. But DC's Future State, uh, Wonder Woman, Yara Flores, continuing on after the forward-looking events uh, concludes in a previously unannounced, uh, previously announced series from writer-artist Joelle Jones, uh, exploring Yara's history as Wonder Girl. And now DC has unveiled new details of the Wonder Girl title, including when it will release, which that release is May 18th. So I guess we'll we'll get uh, more on that when we see the solicits for May, Uh, which should be coming up soon. I don't think about it. Next up. All right. DC sets a release unpublished Suicide Squad, Nightwing and Batman stories in a new title. DC is digging into its vault with some help from cult hero Ambush Bug. Um, it's not quite a who, but it does sort of feel like it. Who? Yeah. Uh, it's released previously unpublished stories from all-star creators. Um, DC weirdo hero Ambush Bug will host a new unpublished comics cavalcade-style anthology limited series titled Let Them Live which will publish previously shelved tales from DC's archives. Build as stories of DC's Infinite Universe, the anthology series will appropriately debut on the DC Infinite Digital Comic Book Reading Service, which features both new and exclusive DC digital titles, as well as classic DC comics and back issues. Uh, Let's see here. Let Them Live number one is due out February 2nd. Okay. Yay. Um, Image Comics' next miniseries, Home, will explore what happens when a hero from another land enters America, albeit a land closer than Superman's. Uh, The miniseries is created by Julio Anto and Anna Wyszczek with Brian Valenza on colors. It centers around a boy who is separated from his mother at the border, which serves as the catalyst for his budding superhero powers. Uh, it says, uh, as the son and grandson of Cuban and Colombian immigrants, and now a parent myself, the news of the government's family separation policy broke, broke both broke my heart and filled me with anger, Anta told uh, the Hollywood reporter in a statement. Uh, home is an attempt to channel those conflicted uh, complicated feelings about what it means to be an American into a story about empowered uh, Latinx characters dealing with the cruelty of our modern immigration laws. 
Uh, and this article has preview pages of said uh, said book. And the issue, home number one, is going to go on sale digitally and in comic book stores on April 14th. Uh, next up. All right. This is um, the story that Roddy Cat was referring to earlier when I was talking about Black Knight uh, getting kind of a character rehabilitation and a revamp. Um, writer Simon Spurrier opened up to Newsarama about his plans to make Dean Whitman's Marvel's next leading man, starting with King and Black, Black Knight number one this week. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, Dean Whitman's been through a lot. He's led multiple Avengers teams, been sent to an alternate reality and returned and even started in his own title a few times. Um, no, but because he's on the cusp of joining um, the MCU in uh, the Eternals film, they're looking to streamline his history and his place in the Marvel Comics universe. So it's fair what Spurrier says here, what he tells News Roman that he says, I think it's fair to say he's in a kind of sorry state. And that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what it is. He's been in a state of flux since the character's short-lived 2015 post-Secret Wars title. Um Essentially, what Spurrier is looking to do is that, um, you know, he's looking to untangle, reconcile, and simplify who and what the Black Knight actually is, what he can do, and how he does it. Uh, they're essentially presenting a new take which unifies, respects, and pays homage to all the old takes while explaining why Dane Whitman has never really felt like he belongs. So, yeah, like I said, they have to tear him down to build him back up. And that's where this issue, I thought, um, actually succeeded so and i'm just gonna yeah. put here that dane uh black knight has never officially actually led any avengers groups like yes he has been probably like a group lead in when he's when they break off somewhere blah, 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 so but not an official uh avengers group you sure i'm almost sure I'm talking about that period when Cersei, you know like the leather jacket period we all know the even then jacket. he wasn't leading then though as far as i remember we may have to go back and do some research because I wasn't reading it that I wasn't reading it uh, that regularly because the X books were obviously front and center for me right. at that point in time. Mm -hmm. But um, from what I recall, um, from what I recall, it seems likely that he was in fact the chairperson mm -hmm. at that time. If they were still doing the chairperson thing, where they were kind of rotating uh, chairperson ship around, you know, they were, and I'm. I'm pretty certain it was not he who was ever um because i feel like that's either that's like after the time that uh monica rambeau led and by usurping dr druid like that was kind of around or so after that i think uh but even still I yeah no, i want to say this is after i was gonna say this is after she uh expends all her power and kind of um goes through her own unfortunate dark period where she's underpowered. Right. So right. I think that's when uh, this happens where uh, the but Black Knight like was, kind know, of elevates to leadership. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll look into that because like, I, I was reading about that time and I'm pretty certain it wasn't him, but then again, or maybe it's just me projecting not, not wanting it to be him. So we'll see. 
because I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I don't think he's actually ever led an Avengers, like an official Avengers group. Like I said, I know he's been a part of groups that have been called Avengers that he's been kind of the head of, like especially with the World War stuff or whatever after that, but nothing officially. I just remember him playing a, a big role in a few X Men crossovers. Sure. Uh, there's a few, there's a few, you know, this is, this is post, um, I want to say this is post X Men number one. Because uh, I believe Exodus was involved, hmm. and 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 uh, Quicksilver and Crystal's daughter Luna was involved too. I think that was a a, a focus of one crossover between the X Men and the Avengers at that point. And I believe uh, Black Knight was leading the team at the time. But like I said, and 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 like Roddy Cat said, we can go back and check that out. Yeah, like I said, even then, I'm like, yeah, they might have featured him, but I don't know if he was actually lead. But we'll see. Um, Move right along, though. Um, Marvel Comics' 25th anniversary re- revival of its 1996 Heroes Reborn branding has started to expand beyond the four issues of the core limited series announced for May, uh, with a pair of tie-ins now added to the mix. First up, there's Young Squadron, a Heroes Reborn 2021 take on the core trios of uh, Marvel's Champions team team from former Champions writer Jim Zub uh, and artist Steve Cummings. Could have gave that the e-viewing. But anyway, um, in this case, Miles Morales, Kamala Khan, and Sam Alexander, the core universe's Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, and Nova, respectively, We'll take on the total, totally new superheroic uh, identities and even powers inspired not by the Avengers, who never was formed, but by the Squadron Supreme. So, according to this article, Sam Alexander will gain Dr. Spectrum's light construct powers as Kid Spectrum. Miles Morales will become the Falcon, partner of Nighthawk, uh, replacing Nighthawk's now-deceased original sidekick. That doesn't sound familiar at all. Um, and finally, Kamala Khan will become Girl Power, which, man, that could have been a better name than that, but uh, gaining her powers not through the Inhuman Terrigen Mist, but actually it's not a bad name. Let me shut up. Um, but an artifact from the home world of Power Princess. So, yeah, there you go. That's the thing that's going to happen. And you can, if you're looking at this article, you can see um, uh, character pages of their designs and even the cover from uh, Young Squadron number one. I believe that's Young Squadron number one. Next. Alrighty, next up to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the Fantastic Four, Marvel Comics has announced Fantastic Four Life Story, a six issue limited series from writer Mark Russell and artist Sean Isaacs, which goes all the way back to the team's. 60s origins and according to marvel presents their illustrious saga in a radical new way in keeping with marvel's previous spider-man life story limited series fantastic four life story will start in the 60s and follow the team on a chronological history through the subsequent decades up to the present day that's interesting i actually read uh spider-man life story and it was okay mm-hmm. you know they're definitely, you know, it's definitely like an Elseworlds style take, and seeing the characters deal with chronological events as they as they happen uh, definitely is a different twist because we all know about uh, Marvel's uh, at first shifting timeline and then rubber band um, uh, timeline. So uh, 
you know, this could prove to be interesting. And it's cool that uh, Sean Isaacs is on it because he's a solid artist that we know from his stint on the regular Fantastic Four book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see a um, preview image from Fantastic Four Life Story, which I feel like is going to be someone's going to color this slightly different and make rainbows out of what's going out of uh, or what's going into Galactus's mouth. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, I don't know what's wrong with you, Internet. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is, yeah, I think I kind of did also skim the um, the Spider-Man life story. I believe Sadarsky did that, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll have to come back to this, because it did, the, the premise is interesting, and I feel like they've done something similar to this before, that before. But I, right. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a gigantic what if. Right. But it's cool to see, you know, how how it progresses in real time. Right. Yeah. Which is actually, yeah, exactly. Kind of a, a cool thing. Um, but yeah. So I might check this out and go back and check out that uh, the Spider-Man one also. Um, and here is the story we alluded to earlier from about a Mortal Hulk, which is a Mortal Hulk artist accused of anti-Semitic imagery in issue number 43, which again is the one we talked about earlier. Uh, it appears this article has been updated uh, to include a statement from Joe Bennett in Marvel Comics. So, artist Joe Bennett was being accused of putting anti-Semitic imagery into uh, Mortal Hulk number 43, which is stores this week. The issue features the Grey Hulk, Joe Fixit in control of Bruce Banner's body. Uh, Fixit's banner is a con artist, and we've kind of pretty much talked about the story. But the imagery is the one scene where Joe is in a, um, if you're watching the video, you can see the image uh, in itself. Uh, but Joe's in a, in a jury shop um, getting something. And the, the image in question that is, uh, is, is offensive is in the background um, uh, of the uh, of the thing and you can see the, the the name of what the jury store is but some letters are you know um omitted um uh presumably as this article says jury uh but the y is blocked out and also missing uh an l in that uh and alongside a star of david which is a well-known jewish symbol in the display um, which is, uh, like we said earlier, kind of poor form that no one caught. Um, and apparently, let's see, this says that this article, I mean, excuse me, this panel evokes another Marvel controversy in, involving anti-Semitism from 2017 when artist um, IDFCF featured a number of hidden references in X-Men Gold number one to the November 16th Jakarta protest against uh, Basuki uh, Brennana uh, Banama, excuse me, uh, which I vaguely remember is something happening with, uh, or, or vaguely remember something of that coming up. But oh yeah, yeah, from that was X Men Goal Number One with Mark by Mark Guggenheim. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was a that was a obviously an extremely dumb move because it was repeated. Hmm. It was it was it was more than one um, more than one reference. Um, you know, uh, that uh, people, uh, well, put together, mm. you know, it wasn't, you know, and, and, and no one's going, you know, like the, the, the defense is weak, you know, in, in this case with Joe Bennett, because, you know, it's one thing to, you know, to, 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 uh, to make an excuse for messing up the spelling, 
you know, and what we were saying earlier about, you know, not seeing it because, you know, your brain just sort of automatically completes the words is one thing, but putting it on top of a Star of David that's being part of um, uh, allegedly the, the storefront of a jewelry store. Yeah, that's that's pretty, you know, that that's getting much more towards the offensive and partial and and and, and more more closer to the intentional part of it. So it's a it's a tough look for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, and also apparently, uh, some of this I don't actually remember, but apparently this is not the first time Joe Bennett has been under the light of scrutiny. Well, not scrutiny, but apparently he's come under fire for his, uh, his dumb things that he's done, basically. Uh, because it says here, and I didn't know he was from Brazil, but I guess that part of that. Oh yeah. I was about to say uh, that, that, that's another thing that, yeah, he's from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've seen his art and some of the things that he posts, and his English is definitely not uh, great. Right. So, but you know, again, you, which is no excuse, but right. I'm just saying it's just yeah. not great. Uh, but apparently, in 2019, when a gay journalist, uh, Glenn Greenwald, was assaulted by a far right journalist, Bennett said that Greenwald should have been punched rather than slapped. Uh, but he apologized and deleted his comment. And also that same year when Bennett posted a drawing of She-Hulk on his Instagram, a fan replied, oh, look, it's Hulk's angry transgender son, to which uh, Bennett responded with laughing emoji. Um, Let's see. In response to CBR's request for comment, Marvel shared the following statement from artist Joe Bennett. Um, uh, Let's see. It's... Uh, I've been including references to famous horror directors, which he did in this um, in this uh, issue, which I forgot to mention earlier. But still, like I said, things were overshadowed. Um, to pay respects to the genre throughout the series and in Immortal Hulk 43, I included a nod to David Cronenberg. The misspellings on the window were an honest but terrible mistake, since I was writing backwards. Um, I accidentally spelled both of those words wrong. Um, I have no excuses of how I just depicted the Star of David. I failed to understand this, uh, to understand this troubling and offensive stereotype. And after listening to you all, I now understand my mistake. Uh, this was wrong, offensive. You know what? I'm not going to go through it because you can read it, the rest of it yourself. But I think I've also seen where some people are not really believing, you know, as since things have happened in his apology, especially given the couple of things that was mentioned uh, above, you know, being a thing. So, uh, apparently a Marvel representative followed, uh, Bennett's statements by noting the company's quote unquote fully acknowledges this mistake and was missed on our side as well. Um, Marvel also confirmed all art and digital releases, future printings and collections containing Immortal Hulk 43 will be corrected. But apparently that's digital releases going forward because then the copies that we got is still there. So, which, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what, what I was going to say is they'd usually correct that stuff when it's on um, Comixology right away. So. Right, but there's no telling where they've gotten to it yet. Because, I mean, because obviously right. we don't have the Comixology, we got the the the, um, the review copy. Right, which is produced, like, you know, like a couple of weeks in advance. So. Right. So. 
Yeah, it's a it's an un, well, it's more than an unfortunate thing. It's really stupid, and it's like they should they should have caught that, and he should. I don't know. That's that's it's fucked up. Period. Um, but moving right along, though. Yeah, next up, Marvel's giving X Men fans a chance to be drawn into a major event. Whoop de doo. <laughs> So while they're currently holding an election to determine the newest members of the mutant uh, heroes, one Marvel fan could potentially be part of that process. Fans who are part of the Marvel Insiders program can enter the Marvel Insider drawn into X-Men Hellfire Gala sweepstakes, which begins, um, which has begun apparently, Mm -hmm. and lasts until February 14th at midnight. Marvel Insiders can claim and redeem up to 2,500 points by engaging with content on Marvel.com including videos and podcasts. Okay. Wait, how many points does this take? Is it, is it actually 2,500? I, I definitely have 2,500 points. Same here. Yeah, like easily. <laughs> I definitely do. So that might be something I would consider doing. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a hard and fast rule. It's just like a drawing to for the chance to, I guess. That's what it sounds like. Um, yeah, they, they have to. Cl- they they can claim and redeem. Uh, hmm, no, that's weird. I don't know why they add why, why they add that into the article. Mm-hmm. But the twenty five hundred points. I guess we just have to find out. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, because on on first blush, you can assume that is twenty five hundred points to to enter this thing. Enter, right. right. Or they're just saying that hey, you could do that easily then you know however the much this costs is a thing so yeah but um i don't know I'll look into that after 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 this but it is a thing uh next up though actually i mean that's kind of cool you know uh and a good way to, for because lord knows you know wow there are ways to use those points and like this is that's a neat way to do to do some stuff like this uh, Marvel adds new Masterworks collection format. Uh, Marvel Comics is offering a new version of its Marvel Masterworks line aimed at being more quote unquote accessible. A long running line of full colored uh, collected reprint editions, Marvel Masterworks compiles uh, classic Marvel comics in an archival style format. Every few years, Marvel revisits its Masterworks trade dress and presentation with new updates. And this June, the, the Masterworks line will apparently expand with a new secondary reprint format namely named Mighty Marvel Masterworks. Uh, as, featured, uh, as well as featuring new cover art by Michael Cho, seen here. Uh, and if you're watching the video, you can also see it yourself. The Mighty Marvel Masterworks line uh, will be published in a new smaller size format measuring 6x9. Closer in size to a, a digest style magazine than a traditionally traditional monthly comic book issue. I've read all this and saying like this is just another way for them to try to get some more money out of you. For those masterworks, the cynic in me is saying all of that, but you know what? This is probably good for some folks in limited space in their bookshelves. So I don't know what you feel about this. I was never into the masterwork stuff, so you know I know people who are. So, you know, they'll probably be mad that it's going to be, uh, you know, they're putting out something new, you know, new styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the first wave of uh, the Mighty Marvel Masterworks releases will collect the origins of earliest adventures of Spider-Man, X-Men, uh, Fantastic Four, 
uh, and starting this June. So there you go. It'll be out there soon ish. Next up. In honor of Women's History Month, the women of Marvel will be celebrated in an all-new varying cover collection by superstar artist Jen Bartel. The Eisner Award-winning artist has crafted eight gorgeous covers that will adorn issues of your favorite ongoing series throughout the month of March. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy uh, Jen Bartel's art. Like hers, um, Kevin Waters, and a few other people's artists that are, that are kind of you know, different, strikingly different, uh, are, are pretty cool. Like Jim Bradell is also doing the, did the, um, did the cover, if not the inside, wait, did she do the inside of the, uh, uh, future tech one of one? I know she did the cover regardless. Good stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And as you, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the scroll of all those covers. I do like that. Um, the Cindy moon one. Actually, I like them all, but the Cindy Moon one and the She-Hulk one are, are, are real good. The Patsy one, too. The Hellcat one. So, good stuff. Uh, next up. No, this is you. Oh. Um, Hasbro reveals Star Wars The Bad Batch Elite Squad Trooper figure. Uh, I love when they do this. Toy company Hasbro, because no one knows who they are, uh, has revealed a new form of clone trooper that will be featured in the upcoming Star Wars series, The Bad Batch. The Elite Squad Trooper is a clone trooper clad in black armor with uh, green eye lenses. Um, Hasbro has revealed next to nothing about their role in The Bad Batch, but were, a- but were able to show off the new design as the Elite Squad Trooper will be available in action figure format via the company's Black Series line. Uh, I feel like this is probably a precursor to the Death Troopers. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know if that's actually true or not, because I'm not caught up with Clone, Clone Wars, and I don't think they've, this this hasn't shown up there yet. Well, What's this, up, the Bad Batch? Well, the, well, no, the Bad Batch definitely has, but I don't know if this particular trooper has shown up in that last <laughs> season of uh, Clone Wars, and this is just something new to the the series that's coming. Which is what is the, their, this article is kind of making it out to be that, mm-hmm. as opposed to had already been introduced in in the last season of Clone Wars. So, either way, um, it's a thing. It just looks like a repaint of a stormtrooper with green lenses. So, sure. Next up. Next up. Oh yeah, look at this. So Transformers. Ultimates Wave 1 has been revealed by Super 7. Um, Transformers fans were teased earlier this week, and now we see what they were toying us, uh, what they were teasing. Uh, Wave 1 of Transformers Ultimates are here, four figures in all. Each will come with a plethora of accessories and in premium slipcover packaging. They do not transform. I repeat, they do not transform. Each, however, come with swappable parts and even some human figures. The first wave consists of Optimus Prime, the Ghost of Starscream, Bombshell, and Bonsaitron, which is allegedly mind-blowing. These will all be, for the most part, based on the G1 cartoon. 
we all know and love. These each carry a price tag of $55 and will ship in the fall of 2021. You can check it out um, in the article that Roddy Cat is showing right now. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming Bonsai Tron probably comes from the Japanese uh, version of Transformers, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. They, they don't Transformers, boo. They don't transform, boo. Um... I was about to say that Starstream should be a little bit more translucent, but it looks like it, it actually is. But they're just straight up action figures. Um, nah. Last but not least, though, we talked about this earlier, but y'all need to see this thing. Uh, we talked about these uh, Super 7 uh, Thunder Cats Thunder Tank vehicle uh, that is uh, 449 bucks. 450 folks for this monster of a thing. And here are the pictures of it. Uh, like I said, Agent uh, 7 has already kind of gone over the, 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 the description of it. But you can see it here. It looks great. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> Listen, it's a big investment if you're going to get all of the Thundercat figures and the Thunder Tank. But if you are, if you are that person that is that big on Thundercats... More power to you because mm-hmm. Super 7 is doing exactly what you've always wanted. And right. that's kind of the point of all this retro toy manufacturing. You know, it's one of the point, you know, it's it's something that that Hasbro tapped into when they started making Marvel Legends that were actually what everyone always wanted. And, you know, DC finally jumped on that train and um you know, even with the McFarlane uh, figures that have come out, they you know it's essentially um, uh, geared towards the collector now more than ever. So they're more comfortable charging the price point um, you know, that uh, older collectors might be more comfortable with, and you know older collectors expect more quality and 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 better craftsmanship out of uh, these figures as a result. So now we've got these. Uh, Thundercats figures, and we've had recent versions of the Thundercats figures come out. Mm-hmm. But according to these images that I see for the Super 7 figures, I don't think we've ever had figures better than these. I think these are you know, the quintessential depiction of most of these characters. So, um, you know, I, 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 I definitely thought about getting a version of Lionel that came out several years back. And now I'm kind of glad I didn't because I see now that there are even better ones coming out. And which is always the, which is always the fear when it comes to getting action figures that you hope are going to be the, the quintessential depiction of heroes that, you know, uh, quintessential depictions of your favorites. Mm -hmm. But it looks like super seven is doing its utmost to create those quintessential versions. And now they're putting out a thunder tank. That's to scale. It's not just for one figure to sit up front and one figure to sit at the at the turret, like the uh, original uh, Thundercats toys. Right. It's and really it's really intended to uh, transport or or to appear to transport up to six figures at once. So that's pretty impressive. Mm. Uh, worth noting, it is one called the Super 7 Thundercats Ultimates Thundercake Tank Vehicle. And apparently, uh, I'm assuming the, the Ultimates is the line of these uh, figures in, in this tank. Um, that is, again, that is an assumption, but it's probably, you know, 
an apt one. Also worth noting, four hundred and fifty bucks. It is more expensive than the Sentinel that Marvel Legends is coming up. I'm not saying it's a direct comparison. I'm just saying it just is. So, but there you go. It's right there, folks. Look at it. Right. Look at it. Look at all of it. It's actually more of a complex thing to build, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, actual more moving parts. Yeah. Um. But it's cool looking. I'm not even going to sit there and lie. It's cool looking. That's a, a lot of money, but it's cool looking. Like, if I had the money, I would probably do it. I'm not, like, I love me some Thundercats. I'm not the biggest, biggest. Like, I would get this in a, in a maybe a Lionel and a Panthro and, and call it a That's day. the that's what I was gonna say. That's the kicker. Mm-hmm. That's the kicker because I'm because my the the majority of my collection is Marvel Legends. I'm pretty focused on that. But if I were not, and if I were one of those collectors that was intent on creating the best Thundercats collection ever, you can't pass this up. There's no way. I feel like this There's is a, no a Lamar a Lamar the Revenger thing, possibly. Possibly, possibly. You know, I, I can't wait to see people put together their their Thundercats collection and 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 top it off with this cool Thunder Tank because mm. it's going to look cool. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, that being the case, folks, we have come to the end of the news section and they're in the end of the show. But first, we got one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night, you know what we read when it's late and I'm tired. We keep our podcast free. Please keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to an end of another exciting episode of the Cumber Chronicles, yes, you may have seen an article that uh, Agent 70 kind of referenced in that last article uh, about some Marvel Legends pictures. We will do that next week. But until then, um, I have been Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter and CB Caps on Instagram. Uh, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, PC and underscore dirt. You can see him right now. I'm just kidding. He's not here. Um, you can see, find him at PC and underscore dirt on Twitter. You can find him on um, um, the Pop Culture Net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all his umbrella sites therein. And may possibly still be on Byte uh, as under comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, TM Tim D O G G nine eight on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, you can find him at that. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's the K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word, the Click Um, but also, excuse me, um, Combo Resources where he's over there writing his face off.
go over there, check that man's out, and, and, and give him some clicks and some like, and actually read the stuff, folks, for goodness sake. Um, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network SoundCloud page. I don't know why I found myself looking directly into the camera like, like a crazy person, but it's fine. Uh, you can find us here every Thursday-ish night um, uh, when we record live on the uh the click nation's youtube channel that's youtube.com slash the click nation or uh twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles uh yeah go check us out make sure to hit like and subscribe and leave us all the five star reviews sure all that smash that like button and all that kind of goodness uh and with that folks we will be back next week uh, same comic time, same comic channel for the another episode. Uh, that, um, I don't think there's anything else to actually show. Happy, um, well, it's, it's Black History Month, folks. Now, keep in mind, yes, it is Black History Month. Black people have been doing stuff all year and every year. So <laughs> don't let this be just one time a year where y'all just uh, focus on black people and, and and let that roll. We out here. That being said, um, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Wakanda forever! Good evening, Rick. Would you believe